Okay, well, I'm just going to come in in the weirdest way possible. I'm, I'm right now, I'm looking. So I'm looking at the art house theater. Well, there's like two art house theaters kind of near my house. I'm looking at the one that's a little larger, right? I'm looking at showtimes tonight because for some weird reason, I don't have to work tonight. I don't know why. Ooh, on a Saturday? Uh, should, <laughs> on a Saturday. I'm a bartender and they're not making me work on a Saturday. Should I go watch a man called Otto tonight? Or is it just like, is that not worth the 20 minute drive, do you think? Oh, I mean, there are so many other movies in theaters right now that I, I think. I, here's, right. here's the thing. I've seen that them the, all. I've seen all the other stuff you? I want to see. Okay. I would like... I would honestly pay for something on VOD at home, like like an Eternal Daughter or like a like a Tar. Have you seen Tar? I have seen Tar. Did you see Tar? I haven't seen Tar yet. You gotta see fucking Tar, I know. Caroline. You gotta I see know, Tar. I've been too busy. I've been too busy with the Ava Tar. Then, mm, this but is no, true. I I like I I'm at that point where like I mean Tar came Tar came like, and went to fast. our city for like yeah it, she was yeah, gone. Lydia yeah. said, gotta go. I was about to say, Lydia, Lydia Tarr had other things to never. do. She's very, very powerful and important. Uh, Cleveland, I would like to make a reference to the fact that uh, it is a, a stated fact at the beginning of the movie Tar that Lydia Tarr spent about two years in Cleveland, Ohio, because we have a very good orchestra for some reason. There like we go. the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra is like world class for some goddamn reason. I don't know why, but... That's amazing. That's kind of where I'm at, is like everything that is currently like in the Oscars conversation that is in theaters I have seen because we have not gone to the actual nominations yet. So they haven't started yeah. re-releasing them. They haven't started bringing them back widespread mm -hmm. to capitalize, to like try to drum up the Oscars. So like, I'm to the point where I'm just like, like I like great movie. We'll talk about it here in a minute. But like, I watched the menu the other night because mm -hmm. I was just like, I was like, okay, of like big movies from 2022 that I didn't catch, I was like, the menu is kind of the only one that I haven't seen that is available for free on streaming without spending money. So yeah, I'm currently I... like, I'm currently just like waiting for like Tar or the Eternal Daughter or whatever to like not be like $19.99 on VOD and like let me rent it for like $4 and then I'll start getting to those. But can I tell y'all what I'm doing tonight? Because I am saying 2022, see you later. I'm pointing full steam ahead to 2023. Are you going to see I'm, your first 2023 release? 22 20, 20, M3 GAN. Is that, is that what you're doing? Is. <laughs> I am going to see what uh, I could very, you know, even before having seen it, I'm going to, I'm going to throw my chips down. We'll probably be in my top 10 a year from now. Uh, Megan. People are loving Megan. People are going crazy for Megan. She's got like 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, right? Yeah. Would not have expected that, but good for good for Megan. Um, For those of yeah, you listening no. at home, if you have not picked up on this. Oh, sorry. Go on. No, I was just going to say, sorry. I was having some technical difficulties and my mic was just shut off. Um, But I'm so excited for you, Corey. I, I can't wait. to know how Megan is. I can't wait. It's going to be like your best friend. You and Megan are going to be such good buds. <laughs> We're going to be best friends buds and i can't fucking wait this time next year i'm gonna have a megan doll i'm gonna have a margot robbie inspired barbie and i can't fucking yeah, wait so do you think so they're good. gonna sell i'm gonna like full sets and get weirdly into dolls <laughs> of like all the barbie like do you think there will be like the margot the ryan gosling the simu Lou? like they'll just sell all of them in one set probably right i think i mean i 
half it's capitalism i have to assume that's what the if plan. what if i bought a simulu barbie and also a shang chi action figure and i made them kiss you are is that okay to do that yeah is that but i'm i'm not i'm not talking about legality i'm talking about morality i'm saying is that okay i think that would probably make our patreon do numbers so let's do it (laughs) maybe not from people we weren't listening but yeah certainly some numbers um all right so for those of you listening at home who have not uh picked up on what we're doing here uh so we're doing the scenies we like to do this at the end of every season we do our little award show not to be confused with the howies which is our end-of-the-year Oscars-style year wrap-up award show that we usually do in, you know, February or March, about the time that the Oscars happen. Um, but the scenes. So later in this episode, we're going to go through and we're going to give our awards out to the, the movies, the performers, the cast and crew, the people that we think deserve it for uh, the movies that we did this season. Right now, we're doing just a little catch-up. We haven't recorded with each other in quite some time. It's been quite some yeah. time since we've got on Patreon and done a what have we seen. So we figured we're just going to warm into it. We're going to talk about some of the years movies at the end that we've seen in the last month or so. And just, yeah, just and get it's into like, it. It's like the first time in the history of this podcast where like we don't have a bedtime. Like yeah. every single time. Like we like wake up on Saturday mornings and we're like, all right, like like the first part of this movie, the second part of this movie, we gotta do a Patreon thing. And then like, if we have time, we're gonna get some some first part of some other movies in. And it's just like, and it's like, but like, I've gotta be at work by noon. Carson's gotta be like downtown by like 1230. Mm-hmm. So like, we've gotta like figure all this shit out. And like the stars aligned and we were texting and I was like, hey, I'm gonna be a little bit late. I'm going to a show out of town the night before. Can we do a little bit later on Saturday? And we're all just like, yeah, I don't have anything going on. It's like, wait, none of us have anything to do? after recording so we're just like we are luxuriating this is this is if um if the ice storm was h-h-y-n-s after dark this is just like h-h-y-n-s at brunch like (laughs) we've got nowhere to be not a care in the world it's a beautiful weekend i made a smoothie this morning that's how i've been starting my days you know what i put in that smoothie you ready for this you ready for all this health are you ready for this health i put a banana in there I put, yes, correct. I put some spinach in there. I put a tri-seed blend, chia, flax, hemp. I put some collagen powder, some protein powder. I put a little bit of a a, a dried mushroom ashwagandha fucking mix shit that my mom got me. And I blended it all up and I fucking drank it. It was, oh, 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 and some Greek yogurt. Ooh, amazing. I'm well, so full of nutrients right now. That That is a really good time to uh, give a quick word from our sponsors here at the InfoWars Network. Um, <laughs> we've got our, our super mega Brain Max supplement, which can give you a brain. Are you tired of having beta opinions about movies? That's right. Hey, this is it. It's the Movie Force Plus pills. They're going to give you big alpha opinions about Avatar The Way of Water. No more bad takes. No more cringe on Letterboxd. Oh. And this bit is over. over. Okay. <laughs> Dead. Corey, what have you seen? What did you what go if- see last night? Okay, I... Okay, all right. I went to go see what I would say is, was probably maybe one of my most anticipated movies of 2023, if not... Or 2022. Uh, mm. If not the whole year, definitely the back half. After I saw the first trailer, I was like, oh, no. Uh, I went to go see Babylon, which is a hotly contested movie on the internet and... Uh, oh, yeah. Car- Caroline saw, and I'm sure we'll dive into. I over the over this year, we were texting, 
y'all i think i'm a maximalist i think i think no you're a maximalist i've landed there i'm a maximalist um so i it's been a really fun year to discover that about myself here's my take on babylon i'm I'm gonna start with kind of i'm gonna start with some jokey stuff up top and then get into it so i here's my take i think that damien chazelle's uh high school drama teacher was like if you can't see yourself doing anything else you have to make movies and he really took that to heart because that movie is about how he hates the fact that he makes movies and, uh, it, it, and about how it is just functionally difficult to make art in this world. And it's fucked up and a broken system. But God damn it, art movies cool. God damn it, I want a legacy. And I get that. I, I yeah. get that. I, I, I am in no way comparing the this very small theater that I do around Columbus, Ohio to Damien Chazelle's career. But like, you know what's fucking exhausting? Working nine to five and then going to rehearsal. And I wish that I sometimes that's real fucking exhausting and tiring. And I wish that I, you know, had an impulse to just go be a fucking accountant. Uh, but I don't. And I love art and I want to make something that lasts and I want to make something that matters. And the first two hours of uh, Babylon were fucked up, debaucherous. I loved every second. I, w- I loved 95% of every second of it. If you were to take the first two hours of Babylon and then just tack the last 90 seconds to the end, you know, when Diego Calva takes over the studio and then just tack the like last 90 second little montage, I'd be pretty into it. Yeah. But as soon as we have to, as soon as we pivot to how can we make the debauchery more debaucherous and how, like, how can we make this even more fucked up and seedy and we just keep trying to one up ourselves again and again and again and we lose any sight of what the fucking actual movie is i'm done with it i'm done with it the snake it's the snake the snake is the turning point for me yes no i i don't disagree i i I agree with almost everything you said i found the movie to be so lacking in any actual substance like the thing that I kept turning to is I was like, I was like, nobody is enjoying this. You know what I mean? Like, like the opening fucking like 20 minute orgy scene where it's like, uh, like you have all of these people like, like fucking and partying and popping champagne and whatever. And I'm just like, I'm just like, nobody looks like they're actually enjoying themselves. Like everybody or like, or like none of our characters anyways, like the extras. Yeah. Yeah. The camera doesn't think this is sexy. The camera thinks it's like kind of seedy and weird and scary and a little like fucked up. And our characters like, uh, like it just, it just, it never sells me on like, it never sells me on wanting to be there. I'm always like, this sucks. And like, it never sells the, cause like, I, I, I get it. I, I fucking get the the ending idea of like but that like like you go through all of this bullshit then at the end of it you get to watch singing in the rain and isn't isn't like like singing in the rain the fact that singing in the rain exists is worth all of that bullshit but the thing is is it's like i it, it never it never feels to me like the bullshit is necessary it doesn't seem like anybody likes the bullshit. Yeah. And it just like, I don't know, it's a really hard to pin down film. It is like genuinely very unsexy. Like I keep thinking of like the Margot Robbie red dress, like dance sequence. And I'm just like, and like Diego Calva, who like, just like later is like, I'm in love with you. I'm just kind of like, where did that come from? Like he's doing the audience cipher character. He is doing the like, oh, I'm just a silent observer watching all of this. But then like Margot Robbie 
is doing it so performatively. So just like, oh, this is like, like I am at a dance and I want to like make people think I'm cool. So I'm going to do a sexy dance. And like, she doesn't look like she's like genuinely like aroused or having a good time or finding this sexy. The camera is doing this like almost documentary style. Like this is just what it was like. So you have all three of these people. Nobody's enjoying this. And so I'm not enjoying this. And I'm just like, it's like, it's like, it is, it, it feels like this movie is telling you about a party that happened instead of showing you a party that happened. And I, I just that. like, I'm not into it. And the other, the only other thing I really want to say is like the whole, like um, the jazz singer thing, like this entire movie feels like when you are cornered at a bar, I don't know if you guys have had this experience. You probably have, you probably have just in a different way, but like when you're cornered in a bar by a nerdy guy, yes. And, and he's like, he's like, oh, do you like movies? And, and you know, I'm just like, yeah, I love movies. Like I, I like more or less like studied them with my, like with my undergrad and like, you know, I like to do a podcast and I like try to try to watch pretty much everything that comes out. Like I, I'm really into movies. And then he just proceeds to tell you things about movies. Yeah. Where like, he's not getting joy out of being like, oh my God, like I've spent so long like learning about all this. Like, and isn't this cool? Like he's not getting joy. He's just, well, did you know that like, the first feature length talkie was Al Jolson and the jazz singer. And I'm like, yeah, I knew that. And it's like, mm, okay. And it's just like, like that is the entire yeah. movie for three hours. Just like, yeah. Well, did you know that yeah. old Hollywood was like pretty fucked up? Yeah. 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 Hollywood's always been really fucked up. And like the, the, the egos of the people who need to be there are such that like, it's going to be like a pretty, it's always been a pretty horrible place. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's just like, it's just, there's not a, there's no love in this movie. Yeah. It, it, it feels like it feels like Chazelle has read a bunch of books about old Hollywood. Like he listened to a lot of You Must Remember This and then just like sat down at the table and was like, I'm going to tell you everything I've ever read. I'm going to tell you everything I learned from You Must Remember This. And I'm just like, OK, sure. I, I, I have not seen Babylon. Maybe Babylon's what I'm going to go see tonight. Maybe that's we've arrived. at. That. I think it's worth it. I, I think yeah. it's worth at least you seeing. see it. I think you should see it. Yeah. I yeah. Oh, genuinely yeah. was like, I mean, it's it's the classic case of like, I was watching the first like 30 minutes and I was like, this is kind of awkward. Maybe it's like going to work to something. Maybe it's working to an end. And then just like, as the movie went on, I just like continued to roll my eyes and continued to roll my eyes and continued to roll my eyes. And then like the last 40 minutes of this movie, I was just like, nope. I was like, we're done. See, Carson, if you go see it, I'll actually be really interested because I think the one thing I actually disagree the most with that Carolina yeah. has said is... I think that like at least the Margot Margot Robbie part of the opening it works really well. It's good. Okay. Um so I'll be really interested to see what you think. I've always had this thing with Damien Chazelle where I think clearly he is a very technically competent filmmaker. And I guess cuz like of of all his last I mean if based upon what y'all are saying about this new one, it seems this one too, but certainly his last three films, like their core theme seems to be like, art is incredible and so worth it, but it is also pain. Like it's, you know, yeah. like everything. They'll yeah. And they kill you. Yes. And like, that is a theme that I am so on board for, but something about Chazelle's approach to it always puts me off. Yes, I agree. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, Whiplash is my favorite movie of his by a pretty wide margin, and even that I am, like, not as in love with as most film bros on Letterboxd, you know? I've not seen that. I La La Land, by every account, should be a movie that is made yes. specifically for my interests, and I yes. hate. Like, one yeah, of my I, least I, favorite viewing yeah. experiences ever. Yeah, well, I don't La La like Land's not a musical. I don't think. Yeah. 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 I, I think I decided after this, I'm just like, I just don't like Damien Chazelle. 
like not my cup of tea. I will continue to see his movies yeah. because like, you know, he's one of the few guys doing the thing that he does. Here's a hot take. Here's a hot take. Mm. Um, which maybe doesn't make sense, but um, Damien Chazelle is to dweebs what Zack Snyder is to jocks. Send tweet. Oh, oh, there's some. I, that's not 100% there, but there's something to that. There's something there. Um, it's just that, like, Zack Snyder is like, Zack Snyder is like, I have so much to say. Like, being big and strong and masculine is so tough. And I'm one of the few directors who just like goes whole hog and how miserable I am. And it's really annoying and I don't like it. And Damien Chazelle does that same exact thing, except instead of meatheads, it's fucking nerdy ass art boys. Yeah, I, here's, like here's the thing I'm struggling with. <laughs> He's soft boy Snyder. He's soft boy Zack Snyder. Uh, here's the thing I'm struggling with. I watched Babylon and was like, but I could fix him. It put me in a room with him. <laughs> I could fix him. Uh, he would, he let me talk to him. Art if he dated me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like, no. Maybe he'd sm stop smoking cigarettes and painting with his piss or whatever. I don't know. Oh yeah. All right. Um, that's my big take, uh, on Babylon. Only other big film I've seen of late. Um, Ooh, you know what? I'm going to do two. I'm going to do two really quickly. Uh, I don't think we Go need to it. dive into it. We're kind of forever. It was all right. It was cool. I glad I saw it. Glad it got made. Whatever. Uh, Terrifier two was the, Oh yeah. Was so good. And was like maybe the longest two. No, I shouldn't say that. I've, I've watched longer two and a half hour long movies. Um, but I watched the first Terrifier and was like, I kind of hate this. I don't really, I don't really know. The second one fucks so hard all over the place in a way. The clown cuts someone's skin off and then runs back in with salt to pour in the wound. It's uh. so cool. <laughs> oh no. I love it. Um, and then the menu, which was uh it's as as of right now, my number two movie of the year. Yeah. Talk about the menu really quick, Corey, because I also just watched the menu, yeah. as I mentioned earlier in the pod. It got so I loved the menu. Um, that was another one I was super stoked about, really looking forward to. Um, and I went in and I don't I I honestly just like stylistically i think i it's really great i love anya taylor joy she's the fucking perfection in my opinion um in this thing she's so good i think the menu tackles some like very simple oft trod upon ideas in really fascinating and interesting and inventive ways that i think is really 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 cool um it's not I would not go so far as to call it like a scary movie, but it's a thriller, thriller comedy kind of thing in a way that I'm really, really fascinated by. The first uh, course that comes out with the the uh, Carson, have you seen the menu? I have not. No, uh, okay. maybe that, that's what I'll watch tonight. Menu's real good. Uh, the first course where they pull the shower curtain uh, in front of the kitchen and then the big thing happens um, that that turn. I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. Okay, fucking fantastic. Yeah. Never and never stopped for me. Yes. And I, I won't spoil what it is because I don't want to spoil it for Carson. Thank but you. Like, that was one of those things where like they set they start setting that up and they like get to like the, the they begin the preamble and like exactly what happened. I was like, is that about to happen? Yeah. Like I knew what was gonna happen. And I was like, I was like, I was like, they want me to think that X is going to happen. And I'm like, cause like the whole time I was like, cause there is that thing of like the whole time. And she's like, oh, well it could all just be theater. Like it could all just be theater. Like they might like, it might, you know, by the end of the movie, they might all come back out and be like, haha, just kidding guys. Like, like this is all just like a crazy nun theater, but you're assholes. So I hope you learned your lesson. Yeah. But also it's just that thing of like, they, they like start setting everything up and I'm just like, I'm just like, I was like, 
it could either not happen or like it's definitely gonna happen yeah. and i'm just sitting there for like five minutes watching it watching it watching it watching it watching it and like when it actually happens you're just like oh okay well i know where this movie's going now all right like like you got me like let's go yeah. like that's it, it is one of the few things like that where the tension building up to it is like so much like more compelling than like the actual like shock of whatever happening yeah um so yeah i really liked the menu i saw the menu and i saw the trailer and i was like i was like that movie looks so bad i was like i was like there's no way that premise can sustain a feature i was like that's gonna be so cringy like it's gonna be so like obvious like it's gonna be so one note it's gonna be so like up its own ass pretentious and i was so like thoroughly delighted by it because it's like it it has a really good tonal balance where like it is so believable like it like the things these people say are so fucking obscenely ridiculous and so fucking absolutely absurd but you can absolutely see people yeah uh doing it which like it makes sense that mark mylod like did like a bunch of episodes of succession and like oh. all of that stuff because like he really gets that kind of humor yeah um it's an eat the rich movie that really uh really fucking works not in an annoying way yeah i really 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 thought i was gonna hate it i really really thought i was gonna hate it and it just like consistently was very like it never threw me for a loop in like oh i didn't see that coming like it was always very like no that makes like that tracks with the logic of this film like where this is going yeah but like it constantly kept me like engaged and surprised in a way that i found to be very very fun so i really enjoyed the menu highly recommend there there is this test of movies that I, I I have not been able to quite quantify what it means exactly for the culture. Um, but if my mom texts me, have you seen blank movie yet? That is something that is very few, like very few and far between. And it's usually a movie that kind of surprises me as to like, why, why is that what popped into your head, mom? And this year it's been three movies where the crowd ads sing, don't worry, darling. The menu. Those are the three things my mom has texted me. Have you seen blank? I think your mom and I would get along. And I, I really well. I, well, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, of course you and my mom would get along. Um, okay. Can I transition? I don't, I'm not going to go too deep into Oops. a couple of these, but I, I just want to do a meta take right here. It's like the last week and a half. I, I feel like the Oscars this year, the two overwhelming thematic things are going to be like, aren't the movies cool? And like, wasn't COVID hard? Like the number of movies this year that I've seen tackling kind of, you know, the end of the pandemic in, in ways that are generally pretty interesting and cool is pretty cool. But the the meta like story of what I went through, I saw four movies, two of which in very different ways made me leave the theater just going like, holy shit, aren't movies the coolest thing ever? I am so excited about the art of film. Like they make me so happy. And that is Avatar The Way of Water and The Fablemans. Very different movies. Oh, I have really seen excited the me. Moments, yeah. You gotta fucking see the favorites. I know. It's so I know. Good. No, I know. I was gonna. Go it see, is okay. Uh, I put it off. I put it off for a little bit because I was gonna go see it on Christmas Day with my mom, and then yeah. like as most of the Midwest and Northeast and also the Southeast and probably the probably the Northwest too. I don't know. This this country got fucking rocked by a snowstorm mm -hmm. two days oh, before yeah. Christmas. How fucking dare you not say an ice storm? Ah, shit. <laughs> ah, shit. Okay, wait. This it is was more of an ice storm away. than a snowstorm, really. No, there was not a lot of snow. behind the paywall, yeah. right? 
Uh, yes. I, sure. I, I I wasn't going to. I don't cause... think so. <laughs> no, no, it's not. This is a scenies. All right, then I will not tell the ice storm story on Mike. Uh, okay. <laughs> we'll we'll tell that at the Howies. You can tell tell that. Yes, yeah, so I'll tell that on the Howies. Yeah. So we were gonna go see it on Christmas Day, and the mm-hmm. only place that was was screening the Fablemans is like the giant multiplex that is all the way across the city from my mom's house, and I was like, Mom. And like, granted, like all things considered, I'm really excited we didn't because there's literally an AMC five minutes from my mother's house. And uh, yeah. even driving there sucked. But I was like, mom, we'll be fine. Like I have an SUV, like I'll go slow. Like let's go see the Fablemans. Because my mom wanted to go see the Fablemans. She was the one that's like, the Fablemans looks cute. And I was like, yes, it does. Let's go do it. Please, let's do it. Incredibly so, um, wild movie to watch with your mother. Whoa. Is it? <laughs> I mean, I know it's yeah. about like, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. the, thing is, the thing is, though, is like instead I watched Babylon with my mom and it was fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's not the Fablemans a little bit about how Spielberg thing. wants to fuck his mom. Not fuck his mom. Really seeing it with either, like any parent, any parental figure is gonna really okay. fuck you. It's, it, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But I did see Babylon with my mother instead, which is a very like sexually like explicit and boops, ridiculous boops, film. Boops, boops, and I was just like, this is fine. Like, guess what? Like, oh, I'm an adult. Like, my mother is an adult. Like, we know what these things are and it's chill. Yeah. But anyway, go on. Fable yeah, so, and Out of the Way of Water. I do not think that the Fable... Well, and it was also like, yeah, but two movies that in very different ways just got me so excited about like movies and the art of movie making and the possibilities of cinema and then i watched the whale a movie which so desperately wants to be a play like it's kind of ridiculous well it's based Uh, on and then it's based on a play yes yes but Corey, watch the whale and like as as a person who has a graduate degree in theatrical direction Corey, all right fair enough you are going to watch this movie and be like why are they doing stage crosses? Like, why is the blocking in this movie play blocking? Like, it's wild. I don't think they, I have not read the script, but my roommate has. And I asked her, I was like, did they change a word from the, like the theater script? And she's like, I don't think so. Like it, wild. Razor, however, incredible. I mean, this is the most basic, basic bitch opinion in the world now, but the whale kind of a dud. Razor, incredible performance. Like even the, when he's delivering lines that like don't work, it's still so captivating and so emotionally moving because that guy is just locked in. Um, and then I watched White Noise, a movie which I I liked quite a bit more than The Whale. I think did both of you watch that? Right, uh, it's on the yeah. list. I'm I haven't watched it yet. I it is far from my favorite. Um, Bombach. It's a very weird movie for him, which I appreciated, uh, but also a movie where I think a lot of its failings come to do have to do with the fact that he's trying to be so reverential of the book that he's that the movie's based on. And any time that I really appreciated the movie was stuff that I was like, oh, that feels really filmic. That feels like something that you could not easily adapt from a book. That's a choice you made to change something that was in a book. Um, yeah, that being said, F- uh, Fableman's is so good. It's not everybody's cup of tea by far. I can imagine a lot of people bouncing right off of it, but it is, oh boy. Uh, but I'm currently fighting for my best of the year between that and Tar. Two movies, which I think I've told both of you, um, have two of the best final shots, I think, in any movie I've ever seen ever. Incredible. Um, you're, saying, so you're saying that's, um, that's Fableman's and Tar? Fablemans and Tar. I, I think that people, I mean, Fablemans, I know specifically, I think people have also caught on to the, the Tar final shot. The the two final shots in both of those movies are two of the most, like, playful, exciting, like, gut-punching, 
thematically interesting, like visual things that I have seen in a long time. Sure. Really good. Yeah. Yeah, really cool. Um, Caroline, what have you seen? I have seen, so I also watched White Noise. Um, and I, it was fine. I read the yeah. book in college and I really didn't like the book. But I also think I might have been like a dumb baby stupid dude who had idiot. Um, but also, I don't know. But it's also like, it is a book written by, a, like written by a fucking boring white guy taught to me by a boring white guy who said it's the best American novel ever written. And uh, part of me is just like, oh no, it seems kind of lame. Um, and a lot of the problems that I had with the uh, film or with the book I had with the film, but overall I enjoyed it. Overall, I was like, yeah, this is fun. Driver's fun. Gurman's yeah. fun. Cheadle's really fun. Um, Cheadle's really good. Cheadle's really fun in that. Um, I, I found I found Cheadle to be kind of incredible. I thought he really elevated the material. Yeah, and um, I thought that how the first half is literally just um, uh, close, close encounters. encounters. Third kind. Yeah. I was, yeah. Like, I was like, oh yeah, that's literally my letterbox review. It's just I too have seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Now. Uh-uh. Um, yep. Also, the fact that they went with fucking LCD sound system for the the end credit song and not. The Airborne Toxic event, a band that exists and is also pretty just okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that song kicks ass and that credit scene is great. Oh, I know. It's just I can't believe they so didn't good. call the Airborne Toxic event and was like, hey, yeah, we've got we've got some uh, we've got some we, we've got some money for you. Um, but no, um, I also saw Avatar The Way of Water, but we'll get to that in a minute because oh, I feel like we, will we get need to, that. to discuss because we have not really like discussed discussed it. Um, I've done a little bit of catching up um, with some of the films that I missed. I saw the menu as we recently said. I watched the um, I caught up with the Richard Linklater um, Apollo 10 and a half, which is super cute and very what, fun and very what much What is a, that? It is a animated film directed, written and directed by Richard Linklater. Um, uh, the, the, and the main, the person who speaks more than anyone in the film, Carson, is Jack Black. Um, so, Friend of Richard uh, Linklater, Jack Black. Yes, yes. Um, and it's just about him growing up in uh, the, um, like the space, the space race era, the, spa- um, the space age. Um, and it's like super cute and fun. And it's like, I think, so my take, my ridiculous take is um, within like 48 hours, I watched both Apollo 10 and a half and White Noise. And I was like, you know what? In both of these films that are weirdly like about how um, like mass media and American propaganda and all of that stuff is oversaturating us to where it's like quite literally the only thing we can see and we can no longer differentiate our reality from like what is being sold to us um, by like the government and by corporations. I thought the one that had Jack Black in it, that was kind of like, yeah, but that was my childhood. And like, that's all I ever knew. So like, you know, I, I had my dad and my siblings who I love and like, it's not all bad, I guess. Like, wasn't it kind of cool being a kid, even though everything was artificial and stupid? I was kind of like, that's a little bit more my vibe than yeah. the white noise of it all. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was really good. I, uh, the biggest blind spot catch up of mine, fucking Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Yeah, same. I also did Elvis over Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I <laughs> loved it. You I, lo- loved- I, I, oh, no, Carson, I feel so bad. Like I was, I liked it. It was not. I, I, it was not my favorite. I liked it. Tell me why. I thought I it was understand. too long. I, long. I don't know. Okay. I, I will say this. I think if I had seen it in a crowded theater full of other like movie, movie watchers and Elvis stands, probably would have enjoyed it quite a bit more because of just the excitement of it. Watching it on my mom's opening weekend. 
Probably a good choice. Watching it on my mom's couch in two segments. <sighs> by the second, by like the last half hour, I was kind of just like, all right, <laughs> let's go. I'm done. Like that's, you know, I get it. It sucked. It was sad. Like I did. I will say this for Elvis. The thing that I was most surprised about, which seems silly, given that it was like the thing being talked about leading up to the film's release. I was kind of surprised by how taken I was with Austin Butler's performance. I really liked him. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and I, I am not oh, a fan generally of they're not that kind of performance. The whole like, I'm just going to try and perfectly match a a historical figure and kind of do a, you know, a nearly perfect evocation of them. That is not always my favorite kind of performance, especially when the, you know, the discussion around that performance is like, oh yeah, here comes the Oscar talk. But the thing about it was that like this movie gives you so, in my opinion, this movie gives you so little of like Elvis's internal world. Like it's, it's so much about how everybody sees him from the outside and despite the fact that i don't really know what this guy wants most of the time i'm really on his side and i was really yeah i don't know i was into it i loved i thought bus butler was captivating as elvis yes no well and and, and that is my that is like my grand overall thing is it's yeah. like like this is a movie about about like watching this just like watching this guy's life like really like yeah and butler is so engaged and is so active and i think like the music biopic thing that i think the like the 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 i mean you know parodied and walk the line you know the off the off parodied like oh we got walk hard yes walk hard thank you thank you um that's a real one <laughs> yes. Um it's like it's like we got somebody to do a pitch perfect impression and now we are going to watch them act out events from this person's life. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And like yes, like okay, fine. I think with the Butler performance, he is so active and he is so engaged and so much of that movie is like like austin butler as elvis as a character in the movie fucking like fighting to perform and then just like when he is on stage performing it is like the joy that he exudes like he is not mm -hmm. like he is not doing a you know a rami malik like this is what freddie this is how freddie mercury stood when he performed like like oh i can do the you know the the spread leg fist in the air with the mic mm -hmm. with the mic stand like i can hit all like the i can do the choreography i can recreate the choreography like the fucking joy that he exudes when he's performing and like all of the sequences of them actually making music how like connecticut is from lerman it is so fucking infectious yeah and it is just like two hours of me just rooting for the best dude i've ever met yeah and Person. i like that and when i say it's two hours of that what i really mean is it's three hours yeah. and 20 minutes yeah Person, I bought it on Black Friday uh, uh -huh. in, a, in a 4K UHD uh, Blu-ray, you know, 
set. So uh, I can't we'll you would talk that dirty on the pod. That's so Ooh. sexy. Ooh. So we'll bring it up to Cleveland, and you can you can okay. replicate your theater experience with Caroline and I on either side if you just come okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now that'll work. We'll put it on my big TV. I got my dad gave me his old surround sound speakers. I'm gonna try and figure out how to hook those up. So we're gonna get Ooh. a good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's gonna be great. I yeah. I, I'm not sure. I, I guess I'm not even trying to say I didn't dislike it. There's no part of it that I disliked. I actually thought it was much much better than the vast majority of musical biopics that I've seen. I do think that Lerman's style, to agree entirely with Caroline, I think that Lerman's style paired with Butler's performance really brings an energy to every single musical performance that like kept the thing going and kept it from getting boring. I am still, uh, I I will say, I think the mate, one of the major problems for me is Tom Hanks. I'm just not the 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 moment in the Christmas scene where he he's looking at that little diorama. I'm like, oh, my God, it fucking works. I don't know. I just like I just like there comes a point like two hours and 20 minutes into the into the movie where like listening to the Tom Hanks voice so much like it it started to make me lose my grip on like reality a little bit like it was like just being so enmeshed in that I don't know and it's it's it would be such a different movie but I I think maybe uh, and part of that one of the things I find pretty interesting about the movie is the fact that he's an unreliable narrator I I, I that's cool but I think given how long the movie is and how much narration there is it just it a, a performance that is that big and that specific it, it it starts to kind of wear on the lining of my brain a little bit like it's it's just it, it's just sure. a bit much that plus all the color plus all the movement plus all the editing like it's just it hurts my eyes you know yeah and and that's fine yeah and i didn't dislike it i thought it was that was good i thought i was yeah butler was incredible um yeah yeah it's good this is okay but this my is favorite. my last i i have two final very quick takes because you've got to talk avatar and then do yes the we do. entire fucking series so yes we do up to be like a four-hour episode i'm literally in love yes with it. incredible um, one i think the hanks thing is uh it doesn't bother me because the thing mm-hmm. that the thing my take on it is this is tom hanks being like oh so i'm gonna like turn in a really weird performance as a weird little guy and that's mm-hmm. like yeah 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 like do it and then he's like okay, i agree a weird little guy and not like because like i think people are judging this like people are like thinking of this like it's supposed to be his like you know his big transformative oscar turn like this is supposed to be his like the whale or his like no. the darkest hour for gary oldman and people are like no. people are like oh this is his like like this is him turning in like a serious transformative assignment tom you really missed the mark and I don't think it's like, I don't think he's like taking it that seriously. Like, I don't think Tom thinks this is like some like groundbreaking, beautiful work of art. I think Tom is like, oh, I get to hang out like with Baz Luhrmann on like this cool movie set and like be a weird little guy in makeup. Cool. That sounds fun. I'll well, do that. I know. Like okay. To maybe put it more it specifically, it is not the performance itself exactly what it is that bothers me. It is the amount of it that I get. It's like, oh, it's, fine. If that, it's fine. Yeah, if Pat Lerman shows up to me and he's like, here is Tom Hanks. And it's like, like, y'all ever see one of those? This is a weird metaphor, but y'all ever see you go to one of those restaurants that it's like, it's going to give you a, a milkshake or like a Bloody Mary. But like the whole thing is With it's a fried like, chicken on top. Yeah, there's yeah. like an entire fried chicken on the Bloody Mary and there's three full pickles and a fucking and a yeah and like all that or it's a milkshake and it's got like two donuts and like a cookie sticking out of it 
And it's like Baz Luhrmann gives me one of those. I'm like, God, that's so weird and quirky. I love that. This is like so sweet and so overtuned, but it's the kind of thing I, you know, want. And then it's like our, yes, exactly. Corey, that's exactly what it is. He just, Corey just put on the screen, share a picture of a wild looking Bloody Mary. Caroline um, looks very confused. So I wanted to, I wanted to pull up an example. <laughs> this has a whole rotisserie chicken on it. It's really good right now. <laughs> and it's like, you give me one of those in the course of the movie and I'm like, God, that's so like extreme, but it's it's the kind of weird fun that I'm here for. It's just that like by hour two of the movie, Baz Luhrmann's like, now that you finished your second crazy Bloody Mary, here's the third. And I'm like, no, Baz, I'm so full. I can't do it. Like, I get that. This was fun two drinks ago, but now it's like, it's just a lot. All right, I could sit here and listen to us. I could talk about Elvis for four hours, but yes. I think I'm going to have to physically pull both of you off Way of Water, so I'm going to force you to okay. start talking about Way of Water. Okay, last okay. thing about Elvis, the oh, scene yes. where he turns on all of the young girls, Butler is actually hot, Butler is actually exuding sexual energy, yep. and the fact that the girls are like losing their fucking minds is really fun, and I just think that the movie, I think that the movie understands how to just beam like energy out of itself in a way that I really appreciate in a way that like a lot of movies like to do I mean it's the fucking the the inverse of the Babylon thing right like mm -hmm. I'm like you're showing me all these things that like you're telling me that the people are like finding the sexy but like nothing about it looks really sexy like it's a thing with like I don't know I just it 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 works. It works. I think the film is just anachronistic enough that it, like, yes. it has enough modern pop sensibilities to like blow things like insanely out of proportion in a way that works. And I also think that Austin Butler is really fucking hot in the way he got just like the little bit of like black eyeshadow under his eye. It was like really pretty. And Austin, I know you're listening. Like, shoot me a DM. That's this made all. me at least 25% more excited to see uh, Dune 2. Not gonna lie. Oh. I am so curious as to what that performance is going to be now. Well, Let me tell thing. you. It's... Okay, so here's the deal is I thought Austin Butler was so fucking unbelievably yes. sexy in Elvis and then I see photos or like interviews with him on the red carpet and I'm just like doesn't do anything weird for me. yeah but weird there was a big there was a big dune cast photo of all of their headshots and he did have a pretty thirsty looking headshot and I was like pretty good but also the Harkonnens are all like so fucking insane looking I'm very interested to yeah. see if they yeah. if they make him if they make him actually sexy weirdly sexy or completely unsexy very well, yeah, the whole thing with Fade Ralph is that he's gross sexy. Like, that's, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I will to leapboard on that because I do need to say one thing in praise of Elvis, especially about those early scenes. Going into it, I did wonder two things. I'm like, is the Baz Luhrmann anachronism thing going to be too much? And two, is he going to skate over the whole, the, the big part of Elvis's history, which is that he appropriated the vast majority of his music from Black people? Um, that's like the, what the entire movie is about. And the, yeah. the first act of the movie is all about that. Like, that's yeah. the entire thing. And, like, the fact that it is not even subtext, it is basically the text of the movie in that first scene that he's performing for all the women and they're getting all hot from, that it's like, the thing about this kid that is so sexy is that he's, like, just, he's he's presenting a little bit queer, and he's, like, taking, he's taking African-American music and and presenting it in a way that the white people can can allow themselves to enjoy, and like, you know, the, the the dichotomy of that and the kind of the little paradox of that. And you pair that with all the anachronism. I'm like, oh, wow, he did find a way to like, th this is modern now. Like, this does feel like a modern, like you're taking something that Elvis did and turning it into a conversation that we are still having right now. And that I did appreciate. It was like, that was very elegant. 
Not a word that I would um, often associate with Baz Luhrmann's work, but that was very elegant how we did that. My boy Baz. Baz. Baz Luhrmann. Dan and We stand. Speaking of Australia, um, something that's mm. close to Australia is New Zealand. New They're Zealand. Same, yep. Mm-hmm. But they are close to one another. No. Um, Geographically, yes. That was, yeah, something that was shot in New Zealand uh, is Avatar. The way of water. The way of water. The way of water. The way of water. Uh, uh, it is there uh, before you were born and after you die. Uh, I, I forget the rest of the speech. What you come from. It's what you return to. Yeah, it's what you come from. It's what you return to. This um, family is our fortress. Families uh, are for- I've been yelling this whole- family is our fortress at my cat. I will look at him. I'm holding up my cat to the screen right now. I will look this kid dead in the eyes and just say this family is our fortress. Um, he doesn't understand so, because he doesn't speak Navi. Ah, uh, that's crazy. Um, so speaking yeah. of um, this family is our fortress. Jake Sully, hot, good, cool. That, that's that's guess. my take. Sam Worthington, so surprising. No, Jake Sully, kind of a snack, kind of a snack. Yeah, agreed. I will say this for his performance, which I did, I was surprisingly taken with. Um, is that I did find his fake American accent to be way more incongruous with anything going on in the movie than any of the like constructed Navi accents like you know like Kate Winslet comes out and starts sounding kind of wacky and I'm like I know that makes sense but he's doing his kind of like almost Ryan Gosling Brooklyn thing and I'm like yes 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 yes. (laughs) yeah it's like it's just tuned like two notches in the wrong direction you know uh but incredible uh, incredible fucking film uh justice for sam worthington apparently this is what he's been doing for the last 10 years of course um i i cannot believe that jim cameron made me care about a white kid with dreads i yes. cannot believe uh-huh. it. a hundred and ten percent maybe name, maybe my favorite character spider spider oh his name is spider uh, and he's the coolest god i i loved it um yeah i I don't like I don't even know unlike the way of water that uh I don't know something begins something ends I don't know where to begin or something yeah. and I don't know where to end with this film that's the joke um this is the best looking film ever made at least on it's a um so pretty at least on a visual effects level um yeah. I did not get this the first time I saw Avatar and I I, I don't like really like get this now like I I'm not like oh my God, it's so me. But like, after seeing this film, I kind of get like the people who were like, God, I'm literally having post-Avatar depression. Like I wish the moon of Pandora was real and I wish I could go there. Because just like literally, and I think like a lot of that is just like, we are communal creatures by nature and capitalism mm-hmm. and the way our society works uh, alienates us from one another really bad. And I think that like the whole idea of like, what if there was just, what if you just lived in a little village with your yeah. family and a bunch of other families like your family and you just did a community and i think that that's like really appealing to a lot of people but also just like how beautiful it all is i'm just like shit i was like yeah it's really lovely it's a really lovely movie i didn't get that with the first one but post watching this one i did walk out of the theater kicking myself for the fact that i lived in florida for three years and I never went to the Avatar theme park one time. Yeah. And I now I'm like, God damn it, I never, need to go back. I thought you were going to say that you lived in Florida all those years and you never like waded into the ocean and hung out with a tulkoon. That's No, I, I should have hung out with a tulkoon. Like, I mean, that's the thing is like, I was always trying to hang out with a tulkoon, but like, I could never find one that was quite of like, quite as like messed up as me. Like, I never True, found a tulkoon that had a similar trauma to me. So we couldn't that's like fair. air bond. 
Yeah, gotcha, that's the thing with gotcha. Tolkien. Mm. Here are my two overriding takes about Avatar The Way of Water. One of them is that after the first Avatar, Jim Cameron came out and was like, yeah, it's going to be five films and I'm writing them all at once and it's a multi-generational, years-spanning saga about war and love and sacrifice and capitalism and colonialism. And I'm like, okay, yeah, fine. I don't know. I guess if James Cameron says I want another Avatar, I want another Avatar. And then I walked out of Whale Water and I'm like, Avatar is going to be a five-film saga spanning generations. It's about love and death and honor and colonialism. And I need to see all of them before I die. Like, it's so important to me that I see all the Avatars now. And two, yes. is that like multiple points throughout this film, I would think to myself like, damn, this story is so, this is connotatively kind of not it, but I'm being purposefully, you know, mean. Is that like, oh, this story is so simple. Like, this story is, like, almost obtuse in its simplicity. Like, you know, like, it's just so so basic and so mythic and so elemental that, like, in, in any other filmmaker's hands other than James Cameron, the guy who does this shit so well, it would, like, not work. And I'd be thinking, like, oh, yeah, this is so simple. This is so basic. Like, all these characters are elevated archetypes. And then there'd be a scene where the, the blue alien clone of the villain from the last movie gets his white dreadlocks feral son out of the brain-bending, like, the brain-bending, like, torture machine and puts him in a room, and he has to take off his breather mask to talk to him, and he's like... I'm not your real dad, but I am your real dad because I'm an alien clone. And I'm like, oh, this is the most insane, weird movie of all time. You can't like describe what this movie is without seeing it, you know? Like so much, yeah, is like, so much of this movie is communicated visually so elegantly that it's like, oh no, this thing is so not basic. It is so not simple. It's very complicated, you know? Yeah, well, it's, yes, I, I agree. I agree. I think that it is like, it is a film that is so, it is so like kinetic and visual and something that like, it really is like a, like a visceral experience. Like so much yeah. of the, you know, like, I mean, there's the, there's the scene when the fucking like a uh, crew of humans are hunting the Tolkoon, right? And it's like, mm. it's like, it is an absolutely insane thing. Uh, Corey, if you don't want spoilers, plug your ears for the next like 18 seconds. Cause I know you haven't seen this bad boy yet. Yep. But Corey's it is take off his earphones. Good. Same thing to be like, yeah. If you drill into the uh, the the and uh, sorry, Jim, I'm gonna call them a whale right now. I excuse I not, you. I know. But Shut like, your but, fucking mouth. They're not whales. They're Tolkien. I know, but like, but like, if you were to describe to somebody, you could not say the Tolkien because they would not know what you're talking about. If you were to <laughs> they describe know what that is. to somebody, well, if you dig into the whale's brain, then you get immortality juice. Yeah. Corey, you took you took your ears away at the perfect time. They would be like, what yeah. the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> what does what that mean? Fuck, why? Why would, what, what? But then, but it's like, you get the whole, like, you know, it's, it's exact, like, it's, you get the one-to-one, like, it's hunting. It's like, yes, they, they yeah. have something that, like, that, like, humans want and humans are evil, so they hunt them down. And, like, you get this, like, amazing, like, 10-minute, really detailed, like, here's how we hunt these creatures. 
to mm. kill them. And then like they throw they throw you two lines of like, well, here's why we do it. And you're like, well, it and it and it all makes sense because like I now see why you put that much fucking effort into it. And I also know like and like now I know why the last like 10 minutes was justified. Like it justifies itself. If you yeah. tell people the events of the of this film, it makes no fucking sense. It is batshit. And it's still kind of batshit when you watch it, but oh yeah. It is kind of batshit when you watch it. But at the same time, it's like you live and you breathe this stuff and it's so organic and the world does become so like understood just by vibe alone that then when the characters that you've grown to trust or you've grown to fear or you've grown to whatever give you two lines of expositional dialogue because you literally need it you're like oh yeah that, that checks out like yeah. like you know whenever kate winslet is like like says the most that shit ridiculous like you know village mystic shit you've ever heard you're like well, yeah, that checks out because I saw you commuting with the Tolkien. Like, yeah, I saw yeah. you. I saw you swimming with your Tolkien and its little baby, and like I saw like how like how real you are as a being. That when you say this bad shit stuff, I just go, oh yeah, yeah, all right, all right, sounds yeah. good, sounds good. Thanks. And for, it's thanks for it, filling me in. It is the absolute zenith of Cameron's skills as a writer and a director is that he is both he's so attuned to just how much information you need to pack into something visually and into something in and into you know into like actual spoken dialogue and how much archetype to use and how much world, real world reference to use so that the audience just barely gets like has enough of a real world association that they can understand well this is basically this and once you have that basic understanding the leap off point from okay well then i can take you one step further then i can explain this thing about the world and it's like yeah. the movie works so well and the the quote unquote like world building works so well especially in that second act when it's basically all just learning stuff about what's going on in this particular area of Pandora and how the people here live is that like, because he uses visual metaphor and visual archetypes so well, all the stuff that the characters can do is just active. It can just be them doing things actively, whether that is something that is explicitly pot focused and, and character development related, or it's just, let me show you some spectacle, but it's still going to be the characters being active within that spectacle. Like we're going to show you how beautiful, like we're going to go underwater and everything's going to get all high frame rate and incredible. And we're going to see Sigourney Weaver's face all blue and wonderful and you're going to lose your mind over how pretty it looks but that entire sequence is still building towards something it's still about well it's important that for what happens in act three that we know that the characters have learned the rules of this area you know of, of how they go about living here no, and like cameron's so good at doing that simply at just getting across just the minimum amount of what you need to know well and it's it's this thing too that like we talked about a while ago when we talked about dr Chivago, which is a very mm -hmm. weird uh a very weird um comparison to draw an avatar but i also don't think it is because we talked about that and we talked about the lord of the rings like in this context as well like on that episode um with uh shout out to emily st james who was on that episode and kind of kicked mm -hmm. off this point when we were talking about this um but like the tactility and the detail of these things and like allowing you to like take in these environments like is so 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 important to selling so much of this stuff like we talked about that in dr Zhivago, and then we compared it to lord of the rings and i think it's really important in the Lord of the Rings and it's really important here is that like there is all of this lore because Dr. Zhivago is obviously based off like real life like like they're like that yeah. is in a real place in the world and the time yes, that you yes. can go and you can look up like what was going on there at this time that you cannot do believe it or not with the um with the um Omatagaya people on the Pandora of Avatar yeah Pandora no uh, 
the moon of Pandora. Um, but so like, it is that thing where like, it, this happens all the time in the Lord of the Rings where it's like, it's like, this world is so fleshed out and like, he, like they spend all of this time just walking and like seeing sights and not telling you what things are, but just like allowing you to vibe and like really taking their time and making these things feel real and tangible so that when they throw in one line about mm. like some historical thing that has never been mentioned and will never be mentioned again, you're just like, oh, I bet that's a real thing that's important and is actually having an active part of the story. And it's like, he does the same thing here. Like he fleshes it out so much and it's so detailed that like you 100% buy every time when they're just like, oh, by the way, the Tolkien have this code about violence. And you're like, yeah, that checks out. Yeah, sure. I I buy it. Of course. I buy it. Like, like this, this Tolkien, this Tolkien guy, this Piacon fellow uh, just looked at my boy he just looked at my boy, uh, uh, what's his name, Loak, and blinked mm-hmm. his eye. And that was an idea that was communicated. He said a word that was subtitled. He blinked and yeah. it was subtitled. And that's amazing. So I'm like, yeah, I buy this guy has a code of ethics. I buy that his people have have a have an ethical. Uh, have an ethical Can I tell you the, that they live by? The first moment, this there are two big like moments this movie got me because i will say the first 15 minutes of this movie i am basically sitting there wondering like oh shit is this gonna work because the first 15 minutes are all it's 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 the opposite of the thing we're talking about of, of this kind of like effortless very visual focused world building it is all sam worthington telling you what has happened between movies you know and in the midst of that i'm like god this looks really fucking pretty but like oh is it gonna go anywhere is it gonna be all sam worthington saying rather than you know showing or telling rather than showing what's going on and first off the moment at which he says it took me a while to learn the language but eventually it all started sounding like English to I me. I knew that was the moment you were going to say. That's exactly the moment I would have said too. In the fake Navi language. And they just like, the subtitles literally fade away and they fade into speaking English. I was like, fuck, Jim Cameron has balls the size of my head. That is the like, simultaneously the goofiest and also the bravest choice for like a thing to do in a film like this. And it's just goofy and fun enough that I'm so sold on it. And then two, basically you get the end of that sequence is the sky people came back is like humanity came back to, you know, we find out later to uh, uh, drill immortality juice out of Tolkien brains, but like they all come back this giant force and then it cuts to the, um, the battle sequence on the train. And I was like, oh fuck. As soon as it gets to them, them all diving in, doing like the insurrectionist guerrilla tactics on this train, Sully leading them all because he's an army. He's one, he's the leader of the tribe. And two, he's he's a Marine. He's an army guy. Like that's his main thing throughout this whole thing is he just knows how to handle things like he would an army. And like, I was like, fuck, this works. I'm like, this is a perfect match of like characterization, spectacle, action. It's all so finely tuned. And like, I had like a tear came down my eye because I was so overwhelmed by just the visual stimulus of it all. Incredible. So good. And that's, I'm like, ah, fuck, I'm in it. Like, this is great. I'm so into this. It it works. It really, really works. Um, yes, uh, Carson. When you said when you said like, oh, the first fifteen minutes, I didn't know. I didn't know. I was like, I was like, it's gonna be the moment where oh, where yeah. uh, it goes it goes into English. I'm like, that's when he's gonna. That's it's, when it's gonna click for Carson. And when as soon as you said that, I was just like, yes. It's so gutsy. It's so gutsy. It's, so it's also like also so simple. Uh, 
It's just yes, so that's the thing. That's just ev- like it's so representative of every choice in the fucking movie. It's so it's obvious and simple, and like it's a movie that's about like yes, it takes place on a on a fucking foreign you know like alien planet. But like, do you see how there are some real world parallels you could draw between the plight of the Navi and the plight of like actual you know indigenous peoples? Like, it's just James Cameron doing that over and over and over again. Like, yeah, it's so obvious, but it's so good. Uh, yeah. Um. Okay. Do we have? Can we call Corey back? Because it's we do need to start scenies, sceneizing, sceneizing, yes, yes, whatever um, you call it. Yeah, let's get into our scenies. All right, so we are back. I mean, we didn't actually go. Anywhere. I don't know if we're gonna take a break. But, well, yeah. no, we we uh, we went to Pandora and we're back from Pandora. Yes, we. So so as we just discussed, uh, Avatar: The Way of Water. We we did indeed return to Pandora. But now we are returning from the return. It was so, so weird. They, they dove underwater and left me on the edge of the beach. It was Look, it was wild. I'm I'm sipping my water with a robot arm that I'm controlling with my own arm. It's do you see? It's oh Edie Falco. Stupid. Yes. Oh, I love Edie Falco sipping the coffee. It's so good. I need um, all right. Wait. Okay. Wait. You've not seen The Sopranos, right? No. Okay, I want to do this. I'm going to pitch this on mic and we don't have to do it. I think that we should record an intro to uh, The Sopranos. And and, like, take your fucking time. Like, no timeline. Yeah. Whenever you finish The Sopranos, we can do an episode on just- Like a year later. Sopranos, yeah. Okay, that's kind of fun. I like that idea. Yeah, we can do that. I I just, I just, like, went through for the first time, like, I I did the whole series, and, like, you've got to fucking watch it. I know, I know. I've been really, recently, the last, like, six months, I've had a lot of people telling me I gotta watch The Sopranos. Yeah, I don't know why it's, like, coming back in such full force. I think it's just Hot Girls on TikTok. Because that's what got me to watch it. Was Many uh, Saints of yeah, Newark sounds this about right. This year? Um, Last yeah, that was year. The beginning. Or was it I this think, year? I think, no, Many Saints of Newark was like, it was like a January or February release. Okay. Uh, Which is like fine. Kind of a very, a very not great movie, but not a bad movie. And there's sure. more Sopranos in it. So I'm like, cool. but yeah. that's neither here nor there. Um, Edie Falco is indeed in The Way of Water and she has a cool robot mech suit that she uses to drink coffee. And so um, it's the scene. And we're done with Pandora. <laughs> Corey says, no more Avatar chat. It's the scenes. Hey, the scenes. There we go. And we're in it. Uh, so where do we start? What's the first category I want to do? Let's start with supporting actor, actress in either order. Let's start Ooh, there. Okay. I like I like I like kicking off with supporting. It like it's a big award, but it's not the biggest. Great. And um then we can go into some below the line categories. Some, like, yeah. Actor so, then Tress. Let's do it. Let's question do it. Mark? Cool. Let's do it. All right. This was a fucking hard one. Yes. They all are. Yes, there's year. a lot of yes, yes, yeah. yes. We, there's a wait, lot of good performances this year. We're gonna we're gonna say it a lot. We had a banger season. Not to pat ourselves yeah. on the back, but like No, yeah. This like, season fucked hard. We will it's we good. will discuss it when we get to biggest disappointment. But like literally, the film that I have for biggest disappointment, I genuinely love. <gasps> Interesting. Just like well, because also because of um because of Halloween, like I like I, I had fewer new watches this season. Yeah. Sure. Yes. 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 Because I had so many uh horror films that I gave that I that I that I signed to you, my sweet boy. Is it like mm. of the films you made me watch? I genuinely liked all of them, and I was like going through my biggest disappointment. 
disappointments. And I'm like, I don't have one. And I'm like, well, it's biggest disappointment. It isn't just like film that was disappointing. It is the biggest disappointment. And this film is the biggest of the disappointments in that like, I guess I could have liked it maybe a little bit more. Okay, we're starting with that below the line because I... I... I, I want to know what it is, but all right, let's. Okay, but uh, Carson, lead us, lead us. Uh, right. I will lead off with actor, and then you can lead us off with actress. Supporting cool. actor, I have Vincent Gardinia for Moonstruck. I it's also a very have, solid choice. Thank you. I also have for one line, Danny Aiello in Moonstruck. Whoa! <laughs> Holy shit! Okay. Because my favorite line, one of my favorite lines, if not my favorite line in the entire movie, is when Olympia Dukakis asks him, "Why do women chase men?" Or why do men chase women? And he just goes, maybe, just maybe. It like melts my heart. It's one of my favorite things I've ever seen line. on film. And I do not know why. It's just like, I love that. Very true. Kurtwood Smith in RoboCop. I got so fucking close to putting Kurtwood Smith in mine. Oh. Matthew Lillard in Scream and Jamie Sheridan for the Ice Storm. These are all good choices, Caroline. I think this is the first time we've ever done one of these award shows where we've had an above the line category that we didn't have at least some crossover on. Oh my God. Okay, well now I Mine have to hear yours. Mine are all different, all different. Okay, okay, I have to hear yours. Okay, I'm gonna say, I'm starting off with one. I went back and forth as to whether supporting or lead, put him in supporting. You can argue with it, I understand. Nicolas Cage for Moonstruck. Oh, interesting. I think is a bit more of a supporting performance to me. Wes Studi for Last of the Mohicans. Paul Williams. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so good. Paul Williams for The Phantom of the Paradise. Let's fucking go. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Great performance. Excellent. Harvey Harvey Keitel for From Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, that's so good, too. Keep going. It's a good one. And then last one, I went back and forth between him and Kurtwood Smith for a long time. Miguel Ferrer for RoboCop. I also, I was going to... I initially had Miguel Ferrer yeah. in in my ballot. And then I was like, because I was like scrolling through and I was like, RoboCop, like Miguel Ferrer. And there was like, yeah. nah, if we're going RoboCop, it's, uh, it's I, my boy Kurt. It's, no, it's I, Ferrer for me. I just, it's got to be Ferrer for me. I just, he's so, God, he's so fucking excited to be an 80s asshole. I do understand you putting, um, you putting uh, Cage in, yeah. Um, supporting. I, I personally would call that a lead performance, but I also think too, if there's any, if, if you are not sure if it's a leader or supporting, go ahead and put it in supporting. Like that's kind of my, yeah. that's kind of my yeah, yeah, major. Yeah, yeah. Cause if, if it's ambiguous to you, it's supporting, but yeah. Yeah. Corey. Yeah. All right. So, uh, hearing, hearing Caroline say Jamie Sheridan for ice storm, I feel a little silly for my, my first nomination, but I'm going to stick with it. Uh, Elijah Wood for the ice storm. Oh. Ooh. No, that's a great one. That's a great also one. a great one. Very good. Um, that kid is so fucking weird. Are you kidding me? No, that's a good. That's a good performance. So uh, Matthew Willard for Scream. Uh, also, Paul that's Williams, Phantom of the Paradise. Um, yeah. Here we, here we go. Let's get it started. Uh, Raba Knight Ufella, I think is how you say his name for Raw, the roommate in Raw. Oh, mm, yes, he's very good. And uh, I hate this last nomination. I hate it because I don't like his movies. I don't like him. Personally, all that much. His performance makes me want to claw my skin off, but it's so good. Quentin Tarantino for From Dust Till Dawn. Oh, that's oh, a good take. Oh my gosh. Wow. That is that is a wow. take I respect. That is a take. Yeah. That is a take that makes you want to pull my skin off. But yeah, I, I respect yeah. it. Yeah. I respect it. Um whew. so here's the fun thing is I haven't actually made any decisions yet. So um sick. I am going to go. Mm. I am going to go with my 
heart. And I love all the other people I nominated. But I'm just going to, I'm going to give it to Matthew Lillard and Scream. Mm. It's such a Powerful. good, fun performance. It is. Um, and that bit at the end, the my mom is going to be is so mad at me, or my parents are going to be, gonna be so, so mad so at me. Mad at me. Yeah, it's so fucking good. And when he's just like, he's like, "Oh, you actually got me, man!" Like, I think I might actually be dying, man. It's it's perfect. And uh, yeah, they're all very good. I almost gave it to Jamie Sheridan, but I uh, yeah, we'll be fine. The ice storm will be fine without this. Without the ice storm's gonna do just fine. It's gonna do just fine. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna have to go. It's this performance is so reserved, but it, it's so well suited to the movie. And I would say that the success of the entire last 10 minutes of the film is pretty well and built around just this guy giving one tremendous line. And that is Harvey Keitel in From Dusk Till Dawn. I think that is God, that's, you bring on Keitel to give exactly that performance and it fuck it. It just it's so good. It rules. That is incredible. Yeah, Um. this is a audio podcast so you could not see my face when caroline said matthew lillard for scream but it looked Mm -hmm. like i had shit a brick because my choice (laughs) is also matthew lillard from scream hell yeah matthew lillard two times scene winner two times scene winner these are incredible first two nominations and the first two wins for matthew lillard (laughs) at the scenes oh all right keep it going supporting actress Had to, had to, she had to. It was the most obvious choice in this entire award show. She won the fucking Oscar, Laura Dern, for Marriage Story. Yeah, duh. Ella Rump. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Hurrah, Sister and Ross. So fucking crazy-ass performance. Sigourney Weaver for The Ice Storm. Oh, yeah. Joan Allen for The Ice Storm. And guess what? There she is, Christina Ricci for The Ice Storm. The Ice Storm's gonna be fine, everyone. The Ice Storm is gonna be just fine. Wait, I'm sorry, did you you have Joan Allen in there too? You had all three. Yes, I did. I had three (laughs) Ice Storms in a row. Uh, That is incredible. Give me two seconds because I might change something and I won't change. I won't tell you what I'm changing. All right. All right. Can I go? Corey? Yeah, Yeah, Corey, Corey, you you go. go. All right. My nominations for Best Supporting Actress. Ella Rumpf for Raw. Guys, it feels real good to bring a movie that's going to get some actual nominations. It just (laughs) just feels nice. Uh, Christina Ricci for The Ice Star. Margot Kidder for Black Christmas. Very good. Very good. Almost put her on. Got so close. Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Carson, when you were giving your little preamble, uh, the obvious choice, mm-hmm. uh, I honestly thought you were going to say Christina Ricci for the Ice Storm. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, Sigourney Weaver for the Ice Storm. Yeah, yeah, of course. All of these choices were written in the Correct. Book of Fates. Yeah. Yes. This was the one um, before we started recording that I said I, my first, like, this was the one that I went, oh, Ella Rump, Christina yep, bam, Ricci, bam, bam. Uh, and then Sigourney Weaver, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, so for my supporting actress, honorable mention. You guys are gonna you guys are gonna lose your mind when I tell you who the honorable Wild. mention is. Okay. Oh my god. My honorable mention is my girl, my mom, oh. the namesake of my beautiful kitten. Of course. Uh Sigourney Weaver is my honorable mention for the ice storm. Okay. In my ballot, wow. but I bumped her. She was she was the last one to be bumped from the ballots. She's my honorable mention. Is that the one you just changed? Um, yes, actually. I just okay. changed I I I I axed one and I bumped Sigourney to an honorable mention to accommodate for a couple other things. Um, because I've been going back and forth for forever and I was like, no, I'm changing things. 
Um, my supporting actress nominees are Olympia Dukakis for Moonstruck. Can't okay. believe, can't believe this is her first nomination. Um, Ella Rum for Raw. Of course. Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Come on. Uh, if there's, if there's, uh, yeah. if there's two friends of the pod, it's Sigourney and Laura. If there, if, yeah. if there are two, if there are two friends of the pod, it's them. Um, hello. Courtney Cox is Gail Weathers in Scream. I, oh, she's like my eight. Yeah. Okay? okay, I thought of her. She's like my number eight. I think. No. Oh, I'm she's disappointed my favorite. in myself. And then, of course, Christina Ricci for the Ice Storm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Christina Ricci for the Ice Storm. All right. Well, uh, that's a great little transition into my winner, which is. You just said her name, Christina Ricci for The Ice Storm, a performance that I spoke about at length on our Ice Storm episode. Um, uh, uh, Weird, uh, sad, scary, funny, just a really all-consuming supporting performance, a really specific kind of kid performance that I, I... I cannot think of any other film that has a child performance that is anywhere, anything like the sort of odd depths that Ricci hits in the ice storm. I think it's so specific and so incredible. And so um, touching. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I don't know that I will say anything better than that. So I'll just say, same, bro. Christina Ricci. Ricci. Yes. Nice yes. Fucking incredible. I love that for the both of you. Um, I did not go with Christina Ricci for the ice storm. Oh, I'm gonna say so that up close. Top now. So close. I know she could have gotten the trifecta and maybe she deserves it, but I had determined this before I determined my winner before. And I mean she won the fucking Oscar for it. It's Laura Dern. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think correct. I think what Laura Dern is doing in Marriage Story is pretty fucking undeniable. And she is able to hit at like really deep truths about just like who people are like this soulless callousness like complete lack of empathy and regard for other people sometimes and like like has this like incredible depth of what her character is doing by playing a person who is like so very very shallow and i think that the entire performance is so complex and interesting and great and um i'm in love with laura dern she wins yeah. she wins she gets my she gets my thing she gets my absolutely thing. it's my thing uh shall she gets my thing going that's for sure you <laughs> stop that you shut the fuck up right now oh all right yeah big bunk all right below the line Corey, take us there which one are we starting with I would love to go biggest disappointment. I think Caroline, that's the one that you were talking about before, right? Let's, let's, let's do that. Let's do biggest disappointment. Um, and I would love to go first just because, uh, it's, it's a wrong take. It's, it's a bad opinion. And and I know that ended with Corey preemptively. I I know know that it is about to say, I don't Uh, know what the answer is. It could be, uh, this, I want to start with this movie is not bad. This movie is not a bad movie. This movie is good. This movie is very good. I have never, I shouldn't say never been less interested, but this movie is maybe of all the stuff we've done so far, the most not my taste. My biggest disappointment of the season is Michael Mann's The Last of the Mohicans. Oh, Corey, I thought you were going to say Heat for a second. I I really thought you were going to say Heat. No, I love Heat. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I get that. I get that. My taste. As soon as you said not to my taste, I'm like, oh, he's gonna say last movie he gets. But then you let in with Michael Manns, which they're both Michael. I was just like, <gasps> yeah. But I really just the way you said it, I was like, he's gonna say heat. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Last of the Mohicans is of all the films we did this season, the film that most made me go, 
Uh-huh. Yeah. And also the film that I'm just like, is that the best film ever made? Yeah. Like, not like, not like literally, not like, not like actually, yeah. but I'm just kind of like, is that a perfect film? 11 out of 10, no notes. Like, yeah. go off, go off King, uh, uh, God, what's, what's, what's the real name for him? Natty Bumpo? <laughs> go off our- pop off Natty Bumpo, pop off, pop off Natty. I'm, I'm currently listening to Michael Mann's interview on Mark Maron's podcast. Um, right now, like as you're as you're speaking to us. Yeah. Yes. In the other ear of my I've, I've got you guys in this ear and then Michael and this one. No, but like I started last night, I was driving home from a friend's house and I'm like, you know, whatever, halfway through the podcast and listening to Michael Mann explain, go into like d- depth as to how much effort they put in to like get the locations right and to like build the forts and grow the crops in front of the cabin in the first scene for that movie really lit my brain on fire and made me go like, ah, yes, Michael Mann, perhaps the closest. To, it like it makes so much sense that him him and Daniel Day-Lewis like just click together so well in that, in that movie because they're both two guys that just do not know how to not put the maximum amount of effort into the thing they're doing. Incredible. So good. Yeah, uh, I love it. But also I get Wait. it. Not a movie that's easy to like. Not a not necessarily a crowd pleaser nowadays. Um, I disagree. I think it's a movie that's very easy to like, but I understand why somebody would not like it. Uh, sure, sure. I get. Yeah, it's maybe a better way of putting it. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go next, and there's not much to say about this film uh, that I didn't like already say in the little preamble. Um, in that like I really genuinely enjoyed everything we watched this season. Like I truly did not come away from anything being like eh okay. And so like this is a movie that I genu- like genuinely loved. And I thought it was great. It's just of all of the films that we watched, this one did have the biggest gap between my like expectations for how much I was going to love it and how much I actually did love it, which is like, I think this movie is going to be like a 15 out of 10 for me. And it ended up just being like an eight and a half out of 10 for me. Um, and that film is Raising Arizona. Mm. Oh. And that's like not even because Raising Arizona was bad. Just a lot of the films, I ended up liking a lot more than I thought I was going to. And... This one was just one that I was like, damn, that thing was great. Like, yeah. That was fun. That yeah. was a, that was a bop. That I, I want to wait and hear what Car- Arizona. I want to wait and hear what Carson's is before I respond to that. My biggest disappointment. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. I have like a, a, I have like kind of a meta textual answer and then I have like a real answer. My meta textual answer is like, my biggest disappointment is my disappointment myself that I didn't watch Heat like four times before we talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I bought the Blu-ray. It was on sale, so I got I got the Blu-ray. I'm gonna watch it like a bunch more times. Um, my real my real one, and I hate to do it to the ward, but it is the twist in the ward specifically. That was the thing that just kind of made me go, you know. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, you know, it's fine. It's a twist. It's there. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, I have nothing more to. I have nothing more to say about it. I actually didn't yeah. put the word really in like my thought process for this because that's kind of like a special thing. Um, yeah. Like that's kind of like a like a special kind of episode. So I, like okay, I went yeah, back and forth was, on even yeah. saying it. Yeah. I was I was more disappointed by the ward than I was by uh, raising Arizona. I will be the first to say sure. that. But I didn't. Okay. Really that was that was gonna be my question as I was like, what the fuck? But also, Caitlin, thank you for your support. You're the best. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. Hundred percent. Yes. Like that's that's the that's my take. Is like is like. I, I, I kind of considered that like our, our fun little special like bonus episode, not necessarily like one that we curated because like if I'm going to drag somebody's taste in film, it's certainly not going to be one of our beautiful patrons. It's going to be Carson. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because I deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> I liked Godzilla versus Kong. What's wrong with me? I genuinely don't know because that movie was actually bad. 
Wait, I thought you I, liked I that, it. Caroline. No? No. I think Godzilla King of the Monsters is okay and kind of interesting, but genuinely, <laughs> like, the worst. And I think Godzilla vs. Kong is one of the best-looking CGI movies I've ever seen and a fucking train wreck that I never want to have to sit through again. Uh, I think Godzilla King of the Monsters. It is. I do. I will. This is a weird like quarter over, but I'm really obsessed. I just watched Black Adam last night. A a, a, a terrible film. An absolute abyss of art. Better than Morbius, but you know, that's not hard. Um, And I I read uh, Demi Ejigwebe's Letterboxd review for Black Adam, I think is great because it's like, I'm not going to get the words exactly right, but it's like less of a Black Adam movie and more of like Black Adam all movie clip 720p, you know, like, like, you know, whatever, like some random YouTube channel showing it. And I'm like, I think that is exactly what Godzilla King of the Monsters or Godzilla versus Kong is. And here's the thing. I think Godzilla King of the Monsters, low key bop, it's like absolute gross trash but it, uh, my thing is like look if that's the gross trash we're gonna get i'm in it like it's pretty yeah. cool godzilla versus kong objectively bad absolutely soulless a, a thing that is I, I cannot defend on any level but but i'm gonna one one it is the first movie i saw back in a movie theater post lockdown okay, and enough. for that reason the sheer size and scope of it was so it was so big that it reduced me to tears two i am in love with the trope of two badasses don't trust each other and they're at they're at odds until the end of the movie they have to get together to fight a bigger threat and they still don't like each other but they begrudgingly respect each other I and when you do that. that with a big lizard and a big monkey <laughs> it it just there's a very very tiny part of my brain that i didn't know could only be lit up by that exact thing happening but it got me it did i i, I, I can't say why i get that yeah. Carson, in terms of this podcast yes i'm gonna say a thing and you need to tell me if you think i'm right because i, I can be okay. wrong but am i godzilla and are you kong is that how this breaks down uh no i always identify more with godzilla okay I do too. His gut, are you okay, team Godzilla? We're Godzilla. I'm okay, absolutely we're team Godzilla. Podcast. You can't have Godzilla versus Godzilla. No, no. We're not versus. We're not against each other. I'm just saying, it, when they inevitably team up in the next movie and they're buds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good funny I also always identify with well, Godzilla. Well, I identify with Godzilla because he's a big boy. He, he kind of chonky. He moves slow, but he big and strong. And uh, he he's just kind of like really tired of everybody's bullshit. That's the thing about Godzilla that I really relate to. I like that Godzilla is a very large lizard that shoots lasers out of his mouth. Yes, um, he shoots lasers out of his mouth. And that is the thing about him that is pretty good. Also, I get more feminine energy from Godzilla. I always, and it's probably because mm. of the Matthew Broderick one where Godzilla was like canonically a woman. A mom, yeah. But yeah, well, I guess, I guess asexual, but. Was a was a mom, yes, indeed. Um, that I, I always get like I always get like femme energy from Godzilla in a way that you don't get from Kong. All right, what's the next category okay. we're doing? <laughs> do we want to do another below the line, or do we want to go back above? Let's do another below the line. Okay. Let's do another below the line. You choose, Corey. Ooh, okay. We did biggest disappointment. Um, let's do. What's your best take? Best take. Best take. Best okay, take. Corey, you go first because I I same thing too with like we had really good movies. I feel like we had really good takes on movies. I, I really agree. I, had a, I really struggled with the takes. This uh, I also CDs. struggled with that. Nothing. We didn't have any big weird takes. 
as we much didn't have as any like people. horrendous disagreements about anything i don't know no oh i have a great worst take but oh i love that but we'll get there when we get there um my best take and uh this is a special shout out to you carson uh two seasons of uh two seasons of worst take in a row mm-hmm. um i think you actually might have my worst take this season too i'm not sure but but uh it was uh, so a little little behind the scenes. Uh, Ice Storm was not originally part of this season. Uh, that was yeah. a very, very, very last minute addition that we had to do to shift some stuff around. Uh, on and- the docket for next season, it was like one of the first ones that Carson yeah. were doing the fucking Ice Storm. Yeah. And when we had some stuff fall through, Carson was like, okay. No, like, we're Carson, doing it now. And he's like, no, we're doing the Ice yeah. Storm now. Yeah. Ice Storm. So yeah. my best take is just pretty simply, we should do the Ice Storm this season. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I, I agree. Can I, can, I, uh, can I piggyback off of that? I also could piggyback off that. So we'll just boom, boom. Yeah, you go. Ooh. Well, so I um, I really, 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 really debated whether that mm-hmm. was going to be my best take of the season was that we should do the ice storm mm-hmm. for that exact reason. But then I also kind of thought too, like, yeah, but you know what? The thing about the ice storm is like that movie's great. It's one of Carson's favorite movies. I've heard him talk about it a zillion times. Well, it is a good take. It's, it's a good take to have in that like, you know, like, um, just like women should be allowed to vote. Like, that's a good take to have, but I'm not like particularly yeah. stunned when somebody has it. You know Fair what enough. I mean? Like, Fair it's effectively a good take and somebody, everyone should hold that take. Uh, but like, it, so it just doesn't like jump out to me as the best one. My best take this season is Carson's take of The Last of the Mohicans is a good movie that we should cover on the podcast. <laughs> I'll take Carson, it. two for two. Hell yeah. That was that was uh what I gave you last year too, except for mm-hmm. um shit, what was it? Um oh except for the karate kid. Last oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I got the idea. The karate kid. Because, yeah, like I never would have thought to do the fucking karate kid until you're like, no, you haven't seen the karate no, kid. No, we gotta do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, I will say similarly, mine I'll phrase it in a different way is basically regarding Caroline's choice to do Titan. Um and also Corey's choice to do raw. Uh, and I will just merge those two things together and say that Agatha Russell, Agatha, uh, Agatha Russell, Julia I Duke put the wrong name. Julia oh my God. Julia Ducanau. Julia, Agatha Rochelle should date me. No, Julia Ducanau uh, should start another movie with a car crash and we'll all be there opening night. I agree. <laughs> I think that's a yeah. really good take. Yeah, And absolutely. that's like a nice joint take we all kind of came to. Yes. Kind of, uh, yes. Amazing. Uh, um, so above the line categories, do we want to do, do you want to do screenplay and then score? I uh, like that. I am into that. Great. I will, I'm just going to go ahead and start off with screenplay. What screenplay? I have Moonstruck, Before Midnight, From Dusk Till Dawn, mm. Scream, and The Ice Storm. Damn. We did not do, okay. because we only do so many films, if we did adapted versus original, yeah. they would we would have to nominate almost the entire season, which like, honestly was hard. This was a hard category. Um, but I only did one combined, so some of them are adapted, some of them are original. Wait. But we might have had do your speed speed your list one more time. I'm struck before midnight from dusk till dawn, scream and the ice storm. We have one different. All right, Corey. Well, then you go. You you give us your uh, best screenplay. Moonstruck before midnight, scream, the ice storm. And my one different from Caroline, heat. Ooh, Ooh. nice, Corey. Very, oh, that's very, a good, very good. Uh, I'm proud of you. Your mother and father are very proud of you. And that is oh, yes. Uh, Corey, that is a good lead into mine as well. 
uh, because my list is Before Midnight, Raising Arizona, The Ice Storm, From Dusk Till Dawn, and Heat, Michael Mann's Wait, Heat. Do yours one more time, Carson? Before Midnight, Raising Arizona, The Ice Storm, From Dusk Till Dawn, and Heat. Right. Very, very close. All of our lists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was really fucking torn. I was really fucking torn because I think the Moonstruck screenplay is... Uh, absolutely incredible i think it's so much fun it balances a lot it's um and it does the thing that we talked about on the episode mm-hmm. where just like uh it comes up with weird and funny situations for characters to be in instead of just being like one of this characters said a very silly thing 10 different times and we took the best take like yeah. it was it, like it has some weird fucking situations to put its characters in um from dusk till dawn it's one of the most cleverest things i've ever seen scream is a screenplay of screenplays it is st- stupid how good that thing is and i mean like the ice storm will be fine um it I contains with, multitudes. <laughs> I went with Before Midnight because it is the mm. one film from the season that officially made it onto my list of From Zero to Ugly Cry in one line. Sure. Yeah. And I actually, I did give it to Before Midnight. While I actually think parts, I think the weakest parts of Before Midnight are the weakest of all three of the Before screenplays. Like the whole scene at dinner with all the other couples, I'm kind of like, eh, this yeah. is maybe a bit much. However, that last 30 minutes in the hotel room is the most real shit I have ever fucking seen. Uh, And I'm going to end it there. Yeah, that's great. Uh, It was, I'm next, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. It was really hard to not give it to Before Midnight. Uh, Really wanted to. Really bad. Really struggled with Before Midnight, this whole ballot, because it is probably my least favorite of the three. But like, I can definitely identify all of its like objectively good qualities, but I didn't like it as much. Um, yeah, so I didn't give it that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Caroline, you said all of you said you said basically everything uh, I had to say about all my other ones. Uh, my winner's heat. I hell yeah, baby. I love that. God, that screenplay is so good. Yeah, my winner is heat. It, it, I'm going to be honest. It's another movie that uh, similarly to Last of the Mohicans, I, I was like, this is not my favorite thing in the world. But like from a stylistic standpoint, I liked heat a hell of a lot more. Um, and just his ability to balance all of that over the course of like three hours is just it's fucking incredible. It's stunning. I, I yeah. really, truly uh, just it's a, it's an incredible screenplay. I can't say anything more coherent other than god damn that thing's good. Mm, I'm, so good i'm really glad to hear you say that Corey, because i think of all of our vibes i think like you like your vibe like heat is the least your vibe of any of the three yes. of us and so i'm like really really glad to hear you like say heat because i just have like uh-huh. i didn't expect you to like heat that much that's great news worked out though um i will say i agree Carolina, I agree with your take on Before Midnight. <laughs> last 30 minutes are incredible. Um, Ice Storm contains fucking multitudes. We'll get to it. Um, Dust Till Dawn. I said it in the episode. I'll say it again. God damn it. For some fucking reason, Quentin Tarantino is the, one of the greatest screenwriters of all time, and it annoys me, but he is. Um, Raising Arizona, I think is such a it does it does all the things that the coen brothers are the best at doing it is clever it has interesting dialogue it gives us a window into a very particular and peculiar set of characters that nevertheless do seem emotionally real um i gotta say Corey, i agree with you he is my winner 
fucking incredible screenplay, especially given that I was listening again. I was just last night. I was going back and forth between um, Ice Storm and Heat. And then last night I was listening to Michael Mann talk about Heat. And I was just like, fuck. Oh, that thing's so solid. The core relationship between those two guys is so fucking solid. And the fact that like you can tell this in the movie, but it is something that um, that Michael Mann spoke about at length that like he knows exactly he knows these two characters so well and despite the fact that you're just getting these little glimpses into their lives you know exactly who they are and also the thing that Corey said the structure of that movie is fucking crazy it's an entire season of television condensed into three hours and despite that it doesn't drag it doesn't feel weird None of the side plots feel underserved. It does a really good job at doing a thing that I think a lot of, especially modern blockbusters, I'm thinking this also because I just saw Black Adam. Black Adam does this fucking terribly. At doing that basic film school shit of the movie starts when the interesting things start happening and the movie ends when the story is done and we're not showing anything. And despite the fact that we know that these characters had lives before and they will continue to have lives after, we're not going to show any of that because that's not that's not the stuff that's interesting or vital to this right. story. Yeah, right. And heat does that shit so good. It's, it's got to be heat. Got to be heat. Carson, do you want to lead us off for score? I only did three for score. I also only have three for score. Okay, that's usually oh. what I do. I am not as as much as I love music. I am not as music focused as I am with some of the other stuff. I will say uh, Phantom of the Paradise, Raising Arizona, and Titan. Titan. My best. For uh, score. Um, I have five. So okay. I'll jump in. Uh, I went yeah. other do for now. I went raw mm. uh, from Dust Till Dawn, Phantom of the Paradise, Last of the Mohicans, and it's the Ice Storm. Last of the Mohicans was my four. Yeah. Yeah. Before you said the Ice Storm. Did I hear I you sure say the did. Ice Storm there at the end? Okay, great. I lied and I added a fourth. Um, I, my score, uh, <laughs> y'all are just not on the Moonstruck train this season i sorry but no so i loved moonstruck sorry baby i loved it too but i it didn't hit my brain the way that yeah. it probably will on like the third time i see it no that's fine that's fine and yeah. it's really just all the little italian guitars i just like love it i think it was mm. a really good little uh scene setting i think it's just uh really lovely um titan obviously the phantom of the paradise of course. obviously um and then of course uh the ice storm ice storm i might just i don't know why i, I honestly i should have just done five and put last of the mohicans in the ice storm. <laughs> <laughs> incredible yeah i don't know those are my four and five pretty clearly i don't know why i put them on there um i will say uh fucking it's obvious phantom of the paradise that's my winner music sit same fan of it's, the it's a movie about music yeah. and yeah it's it's a, it's a movie about music and the music is so good it, it works it's so good and it is so funny and it's so important to the success of the film and it yeah for a movie that right. is uh about music and has it's such an integral part of the film it does a better job of the songs moving the plot forward than like 70 yeah. percent of most modern musicals yeah it it's should be be a Broadway musical. You can flesh it out really easy. It's a 90 yeah. minute film. Correct. Um, so, and that having I've... been said, this is the third nomination and the third win for The Phantom of the Paradise. We got our first trifecta. Down. Yes. Let's go. This Congratulations, Phantom of the Paradise. If you add in some of just the traditional, if you added an opening number, you added like an opening scene setting, like, like, uh, I don't know, whatever. Uh, and then you, you add in an I Want song and you add in just like and you two need songs a, yeah. where, uh, where just like, 
our 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 lovers sing to one another. You've got a full you you're at two hours. You've got a full stage musical. You expand the book by fifteen minutes. You've got you've got it. Yeah, you make absolutely. the beef number twice as long. Yeah, you get beef a second Even song. Boom, right Done. there. That took me two minutes to 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 workshop an entire musical. What we I'm not it. understanding is why you haven't written this yet. I know, Corey. Let's do it. You and me. Done. We're starting the uh, the How Have You Not Seen theatrical productions agency, and I would like to also pitch that we do my lifelong dream, which is to do a Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny stage musical. Right. Oh, absolutely. Something that I mean, look, it's never going to happen because that movie is a a bomb. It's only a cult classic. But like, look, you know how many musicals they've made of cult classic movies. Also, I would argue you barely have to change the script of that film to turn it into a musical that works. No, it's it's incredible. Also, yeah. um, you could absolutely do a OK, imagine this. Imagine this. Mm. It's a Las Vegas residency mm. of Jack Black and Kyle Gass, and they just do a full stage production yeah. of Station in the Pick of Destiny. Uh, why I've not? I've never seen that. Why not? Oh, Corey, it's so good. Corey, it's so it's, good. It is so good. <gasps> the oh. fucking cowards won't put it out on Blu-ray because oh. they're afraid Corey, of are, how, as, how quickly I would buy it. As we established approximately two and a half hours ago, Corey, you are a maximalist. You yep. would love Tenacious Z and the Pick of Destiny. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Add it to the list. Yep. All right. Back below the line. Here for it. Finish up there. All right. Jennifer, How we're about gonna save? We're gonna save. Um, we're gonna save favorite new watch uh, until the end. Yeah. Yes, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Do we want to do worst take and then favorite moment? I love that. Yeah. Bad then good. Um. I. I will do. I will do worst take, which is not that bad of a take because Carson, you are mm. who you are. Um. I, I. I. was disappointed that you didn't fall in love with Hellraiser. I. I mm. really thought of all of the. I mean, like I should have known because we were doing Scream. I should have known of all of the Halloween movies you were gonna like Scream the most because it's. Yeah. It is a movie about being a dweeb for movies. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. Which, like, I mean, hey, same. But I, I really was expecting you to really vibe with just how, like, absurdly ridiculous the philosophy of Hellraiser was. And the fact that you were just, like, kind of, like, into it and not, like, this is my new favorite horror movie was, mm -hmm. I, I get it. I, I, I love yeah, you so much. Yeah. I had to yes. pick a worse take. That was it. You're I roast me now. agree with you. I No, I am hugely disappointed in myself for that as well. And also I will say my worst take, which is another take I had, which is any hesitancy I had about the Nick Cage performance in, Moose, in Moonstruck. Oh, because I yeah, started that episode being like, I don't know. And it's by the end of that episode and since I have been, I mean, I've, I've, I've watched scenes from that movie on YouTube, all the Nick Cage scenes a couple of times. I'm like, eh, fuck, it works. I don't know what I was on. What was I talking about? This is so cool. Well, to oh. be fair, I, I said this on our episode that like the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, but Nick Cage is doing his thing. And then the second time I watched yeah. it, I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's actually perfect. Like he's yeah, it's, perfect. It's, yep. it's, it's excellent. So uh, the second, the second watch of Moonstruck really uh, takes it from like, really takes it from like a seven to an 11 for me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. person i'm so sorry i also have oh no uh it's an incredibly unserious Bye. worst take but uh it did come yeah. for it did come from you uh and that is the take that eclipse is the worst twilight oh no that's a good take i disagree with you 100 <laughs> <laughs> i stand I know we by did, that i know we did a power ranking but it was months ago what is your worst is it breaking down part one i think it's breaking down part one yeah I would have to re-listen. I had to re-listen because uh, I was having a really fucking hard time. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go. I know I, I know I disagreed with one of their Twilight 
one of their Twilight orders. So I was like, fuck it, I'll just go find yep. the one I like less. Yeah. Eclipse uh, sucks. Eclipse Fight me nerd, actually. Uh Carol actually, I nah. almost gave it to Caroline that New Moon is the second best Twilight movie. Uh, I almost gave it to you, so I'll just throw I'll throw that out there as the honorable mention. Okay. I I agree with that take though. It is the second best Twilight movie. Second best Twilight movie. It's so yeah. good. I I low key am into New Moon. I never want to watch any good. of it again. I, yeah, I, I, I low key am into so the entire Twilight series. <laughs> I would watch Breaking Dawn Part Two. I would watch any time if I was at a party and drunk. New Moon, I'd I'd just watch it. If somebody had it on, I'd sit down and watch the rest of it. Yeah, I uh I I, I said this so many times when we were doing Twilight. It's like I think Twilight's really interesting and it is a series of films that like I do enjoy talking about and I do think it's way better than anybody gives it any credit for, but I never enjoy the act of sitting down and watching a Twilight movie. That's funny. Oh, all right. Favorite moment. I'm gonna start us off because I really love my favorite moment. Okay. And it is the transition from the raw episode to the Titan episode, because <laughs> I've, really I've, I've us recording that I've never felt more like just jazzed. Yeah. I've never felt more like unhinged and energetic sitting down at my kitchen table, you know? Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. And that was, that was a really fun thing. Cause we literally just were like, we have to do raw and then Titan because like that is a chronological order. And like, we don't, mm-hmm. and if we do them in the opposite order, we're just going to be talking about raw the entire time we talk about Titan. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, we were or from Titan to raw. Sorry. I switched them or whichever, whichever, but yeah, like, whichever we, were like, we were like, okay. And then that episode's over. Okay. So like for you, the last episode came out a week ago. We just finished recording it 20 seconds ago and we're just going to keep talking about, okay, so Julia Duker now. And that was really fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great favorite moment. Um, My favorite moment is maybe a bit of a cop out um, because it's not really a moment. I mean, like, what is a moment, really? You know, like, if you think oh, about it, yes, like, mm, yeah, isn't 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 mm. an entire isn't an entire human lifetime but a moment to the universe? You know <laughs> what I mean? Isn't it but a blink of an eye to 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 our planet and to our our solar system? Um, but just the entire back half of the ice storm episode. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah. A good one. Like the thing is, is that is a film that like, uh, I will speak for all three of us, even though I do not know what your ballot is. I think we're going to continue to talk about the ice storm for the next, however long we're recording this episode. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to continue to talk about it because it's a really great film. And it was a really, really wonderful discussion about like film and movies and art and just like what that means to our lives. And also just about our lives because it's a very personal, like, like deep human emotional film and then the last 20 minutes is just us on our bullshit not talking about the ice storm anymore no nope. talking about god knows what and also we were all a little intoxicated for it mm-hmm. but and i was a little worried when we when we finished that recording we were having a good time we stayed on the call just like chatting as friends for a while and by the time we were done i was like oh my god i was like i am not sober i was like I woke up the next morning and was a little like, oh my God, am I hungover from that? And the answer is I was a little bit. So I was worried that the episode was going to be unlistenable. And yeah. uh, I mean, like listeners, you tell me, but I thought that episode was pretty good. I, I agree. Like, it was, it was chaotic, but it was good. good. You woke up the next morning and then couldn't come audition for my musical. <laughs> to be fair, I was also sick. You were also sick. I was, which I still have that fucking head cold, as you can probably hear. It keeps just like waxing and waning and waxing and waning. But I was sick and I woke up with no voice. 
Yeah. And I was like, oh no. Don't worry, mm. listener. She made it. Yes. I said, I said, I can't come and audition. And I was not going to ask to just like get a free call back, but we've worked together long enough that uh, when you oh my god you heard that, it here I first like, caroline okay. thompson is a nepo baby i am oh a nepo my baby. god and i am offer only well almost <laughs> um okay i actually just changed mine on the fly because i had a i had this when you sat so my first answer was the entirety of the ice storm episode what is a moment good answer my good second answer. answer was the entirety of the Breaking Dawn Part 2. So it's a film so I've had answer. a long and weird history with. Mm. My final answer is the last like 20 to 30 minutes of the Scream episode, where it's just uh, so <laughs> clearly <laughs> not us talking about Scream anymore. And it's just exactly what three people talking about a movie, talking about movies should fucking devolve into. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that was a really, that was a really fun episode too. I, I listened to that on a long car ride and those last 20 minutes I was like shit that's uh I was like now this is podcasting um, <laughs> it's pretty into it oh I love you guys you guys are so good oh, I love you both too so much I was I and I love I love both of you I'll complete it I'll complete the trifecta I was so excited yeah. to get back on a call with you because I uh due to my banana schedule have not been on as much this season as I would have liked to so I had just the warmest heart getting on the call this morning hell yeah hell yeah Same. and Corey, we love having you here whenever you want to be here we will we will do whatever we can to make that happen but just know that yep. even when you can't be here you are still so very appreciated and we love everything you do for the show i know you say nice things every time it's just like you're kind of the best um are we two are we uh, actor we have, actress picture we have ensemble i think so yeah oh an ensemble Ensemble. Oh, All right, yeah. let's get this one out of the way. It's going to be a three for three. Uh, yep. I, I just, I don't even, I'm just going to oh, say. Uh, oh, no, okay. it's not. Sorry. All right. All right. All right. All right. Your nomination. You, you go and then Carolina and I will. All right. Uh, we'll do it. Black Christmas, uh, because I did it last season, I have to do it this season. Breaking Down Part Two. Scream <laughs> the Ice Storm heat okay um I have Moonstruck. Sure. From Dusk Till Dawn. Great. Scream. Great. Heat and the ice storm. Mine is exactly the same, except swap out uh, um, freaking. Uh, 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 what's the first one you said, Caroline? Moonstruck. I'm so sorry. Moonstruck for Raising Arizona. <gasps> Uh, Carson, I do really appreciate. I-, I wanted to give Race in Arizona more love on my ballot than I did, and I uh, I'm-, I'm really loving your representation. What's What's coming off in this is that like. I am more a stan of Raising Arizona and Caroline is more a stan of Moonstruck and those two things are pulling at each other. Yeah. I think that diametrically that the, opposed. Yeah, the the Moonstruck, the Moonstruck um uh Raising Arizona divide is doing wonders mm-hmm. for the ice storm. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, that is true. The right. sensible middle. So why don't I go f- yeah, I'll go first yeah. since uh, I, I you predicted a trifecta and I'm I'm at least guessing that uh, you both put Ice Storm. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw down. Uh, I had to do Scream. Okay, that's that's fair. Screen. That's, this that's is, fair. We're, we're going to talk about this a little bit with Best Picture. Um, four, four of my nominations are just the month of October um, because we did four <laughs> of my uh, top 10 favorite movies ever. Um, yeah. So but my best ensemble uh, goes to Scream. Okay. Very I, respectable. Uh, I put the Ice Storm. Like, yeah, let's, ice let's, storm. Let's same. Not beat around the bush. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> I didn't put any. I, yeah, 
Sorry, go on. I was just gonna say it, it's why I was okay, like not giving Sigourney the numb. It's why I was okay not giving Richie the win. It's why mm-hmm. I was okay not giving Jamie the win. Because I'm just like, I mean, like that film is such an ensemble movie, and uh, it is the best of them. And like the entire cast is so good, it's hard to pick one over the other. Um, so yeah, it's fucking, it's the fucking ice storm. Yeah, agreed. Same. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep. All right. Lead actor? Lead actor. Lead All right. Actor. I'm going to start us off. I'm going to start oh, us yeah. off. Uh, Vincent Linden for Titan. Always be bulking. Always be bulking. Always be bulking. Yeah. My boy. really going for that Linden bot. What if, Linden I just, what if I just ripped my shirt off? Um, <laughs> it would look a lot like Vincent Linden. Just with yeah. more hair. Probably. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is accurate. Yes. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis for The Last of the Mohicans. Of course. It's my boy. Uh, Ethan Hawke for Before Midnight. Adam Driver for Marriage Story. And then I I felt as though I had to choose one of them. And I think it is a tag yourself which one you are in this movie thing more. I I had to go Al Pacino in Heat. I felt really bad leaving De Niro off. Yeah. feel that. I feel that. But Pacino, Pacino, I'm a bit more, I, I, I like Pacino a bit more than De Niro in that movie. Caroline, can I jump in and do, do my list next? Please, please. I have, a very, I have a really good transition. So I also was predicting a tag yourself. Which one did you include? Mm-hmm. Uh, until I had a list of like eight for this. Um, I took both off and gave them a joint honorable mention. De Niro and Al Pacino in Heat. Mm, okay. All right. All right. My, nom- my nominees are Ethan Hawke for Before Midnight. Nicolas Cage for Raising Arizona. Vincent Linden for... Teton. Kevin Klein for The Ice Storm and George Clooney for From Dust Till Dawn. Ooh, that's good. That's good. That's good. I'll say I left Cage off basically because I figured out how to get him into supporting. I was able to justify that to myself. Fair enough. Yeah. It's fair. I fair will line. say that I also was having a tag yourself Pacino De Niro moment. And mm. much like Corey, I also removed both of them for honorable mentions, which is like maybe heresy because I had an opposite tag yourself, which one are you? Ooh. And I said, fuck it. It's both. So Ethan Hawke for Before Midnight. Then we have Nicolas Cage for Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Of course, of course, yeah. And then we have Nicolas Cage <gasps> for Raising Arizona. Wow. wow. Double cage. And then we have, um, excuse me, Peter Weir for RoboCop. Look, hey, hey, I I agonized over, do I put Weller in or not? I, I agonized. And then, oh yes, Peter Weller. I just said Peter Weir, but it's yeah, very much Peter Weller. So thank you for saying that. And yeah. thank you for correcting me because I am looking at my sheet and just read the wrong word. Or, well, I read the Incredible. right word and I said the incorrect word. Um, and then I went ahead and I threw in a little guy named Kevin Klein for the ice storm, which like, it's so hard to pick a lead of that. Film. Yeah. But I do yeah. think that if there is a lead actor, it's Kevin Klein. And if there's a lead actress, it's Joan Allen. But it yeah. is very hard I agree. to do that. Yeah. But so those so. are my five. Right. Carson. Uh, this is the culmination of a year and a half of nominations. I, I have neglected to give him the win ever despite the fact that I think he is the actor who's appeared the most on all of my ballots. I got to give it to Ethan Hawke for yeah. Before Midnight, partially as a bit of an honorary, but also I do think, especially given that incredible last 30 minutes of the film, I do think this is Ethan Hawke's best performance in all three films. I think he is really the driver of this film in a way that Julie Delpy is of the second one. Mm-hmm. I think it's incredible. I think the the him the fact that in that scene he can be utterly utterly wrecked 
and still slightly sexy. And you understand both why Delpy is utterly disgusted by him and also hopelessly attracted to him. The way that he uh, just the way that he introduces the time traveler bit, it is imprinted on my soul. Ethan Hawke, my dad, my dad, Ethan Hawke. Yes, um, I think that is a very good choice, Carson, as I uh, also thought about giving both Ethan Hawke and Before Sunrise or uh, sorry, Before Midnight a few of the Return of the King style honorary. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I'm giving it to this movie, but um, it's really for all three. But at the same time, I gave Ethan Hawke Best Actor for Before <laughs> before Sunrise, Sunrise two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I'm I'm not giving it to Ethan Hawke this time. I am going a little, a little, oh shit. Do I want to change it less? Okay. Oh. Because I looked at who I picked. I have knots in my stomach about actress. I might be changing mine, so I'm I'm in full support of changing actor. Um, no, you know what? I think I think he's done enough. I think he deserved it, and I would like to give this movie a little bit more love than I have given it. Um, it's Nicolas Cage in Raising Arizona. Oh, almost! I almost last second. I almost last second flipped to Peter Weller for RoboCop, mm-hmm. but uh, nah, nah, it's Cage. Answer. Raising Arizona. He's incredible. Yeah. I... He, he is wonderful. He is so fucking good in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Cage, y'all seen the Renfield trailer? I sure have. Yeah. I don't know about that movie. <laughs> I am not sure. I stopped watching the trailer because it was on my phone and I wanted to watch it on yeah. like a bigger screen, big TV. Well, you're not going to get screen. one trillionth of that film on your fucking telephone. I know. What kind That's of a monster true. That's am true. I? Um, uh, all I have to say about Renfield is. I personally think it looks pretty fun. Um, and I think Nicholas Holt um, has done a killer fucking job at picking projects um, as of the, these last few years. And I saw some people online being like kind of having some fun at Renfield's expense, which like whatever. But um, I think it looks fun enough. I think it looks decent enough. I think it looks pretty good. And um, I think Nicholas Holt is wonderful and i think that if nicholas holt reads the script and says yes i'm doing this and then uh goes through and films the film i think at this day and age there's a good chance it's gonna be pretty fucking oh good. he was a, he was the guy in the menu mm-hmm. yes yes okay. nicholas holt is is my boy yeah in mad max um yes i witnessed him i've witnessed him many times i witnessed him he asked me to witness him and i i did i, I have I, guess yeah. what guess what i said how high he said witness me i said how high <laughs> Oh, he was you. also in X Men: Dark Phoenix, but I guess we're just oh, he's in all yeah. the all those X Men. Yeah, he's but that's 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 <laughs> a early career contract. Yeah, uh, I've never seen. I've actually never seen any of the X Men. I've seen the first X Men movie, from like '99 or whatever. It's the only one I've Weird. seen. Oh, Caroline's eyes just lit up. <laughs> Finally, an excuse to make Carson watch X Two on the podcast. I've seen um, X Two. I, I know, but Corey has it. It's true. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna just spit out my best actor really fast. Uh, I wanted to give it to Vincent Linden so fucking badly, um, but I did that on the Howies, and uh, I I don't want to repeat. Um, which is gonna give an immediate contradictory to who I gave it to because I also gave this person an award similarly to Caroline for Before Sunrise, but um, Ethan Hawke Before Midnight. I just I'm heartbroken that that series is over and i've been kind of circling mm. doing a rewatch uh now that we're done filming it and recording those episodes and i think today has inspired me to uh revisit those yeah. no um 100 uh-huh. i have uh in much the <laughs> in much the same way that when um you look back at your life at uh many happy memories and you think wow what i wouldn't give to go back and be able to experience that again 
Uh, I have been thinking about how sad I am that bef- that the Before trilogy is over and I will never get to watch another new Before film ever again, unless they yep. do the Legacy 36-year sequel and do it when they're like 70, oh. which I think uh-huh. they could easily pull off. Uh, it'd be crazy, but sure. Oh my god! Oh wait, no, that, wait, that's twelve. Um, twenty-seven. Sorry, twenty. They wait twenty-seven yeah. years. Um, one uh, of them's dying. No, yeah. that's what it would have to be, right? Yeah. That's the only yeah. thing. You either do one of them is dying, or you do it real crazy, and you do one of them is dying. You do the like, what does oh, Ethan Hawke do post Julie Delpy's death? Oh, and it's more about just ooh. Oh no, you make it. You do the legacy sequel thing. Julie Delpy is dead. It's Ethan Hawke and one of the two little girls who is now a grown woman walking around a, a Oh, I just almost heard him cry. You. During the funeral. Oh. I disagree. I watch that. I think you need Julie Delpy. Um, I am not interested in uh Celine <laughs> no, being, I'm not I'm not I'm not interested in fridging Celine. Uh, true. <laughs> however, um I I think you can just do oh fuck we're old. Cause I think like I've talked to some people about why well, you kind of can't do a fourth one because yeah. like the whole end of midnight is like and then it's just this over and over yeah. and over and over again. And you're like middle ages and when it's like you know you've been together for 10 years for 20 years for 30 years but i think once you get into like okay like when you get into we are like at the end of it's not that we are at the end of our relationship it's that we are towards the end of our lives and our and that means our lives together i think that is something interesting like you can't do like there's no point in doing a nine-year follow-up to midnight but i think there is something in doing a 30-year follow-up to midnight yeah it'd be or at least like a 25 or something like that but anyway that is neither here nor there um i'm gonna kick us off for actress i have Cher for moonstruck i have julie delpy for before midnight I have Holly Hunter, which is my third season in a row nominating Holly Hunter. Uh, she was supporting two seasons ago for Oh Brother. She was lead last season, which she won for Broadcast yep. News because Broadcast News rules so goddamn hard. She's back. This is the third nomination for Holly Hunter. For uh, Just for Milo. I have Agatha Ruzel for Titan. And I have Joan Allen for The Ice Storm, nice. who I did put in lead. Ooh, Caroline, we have one, one difference. Is it Cher? No. It's the Joan oh, Allen of it all. I already put her in. I already oh, put her in. Right. Oh, yeah. That's right. Agatha Russell, Holly Hunter, again, my third nomination. Third nomination for Julie Delpy as well. Cher for Moonstruck. Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. Good. Uh, I almost did Scarlett Johansson because it is my probably my favorite Scarlett Johansson performance. But yeah, uh, probably the same. Yeah, but I did not. It's weird up. that it's like this and then her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also had I also had in an earlier draft, I had Adam Driver in my uh actor, but yeah. I took him out for Weller, um, to put Weller in. I almost did that. And I yeah. almost did that. Yeah, I almost did that. Yeah. Um excellent. Corey, what are your yeah. nominations for actors? All right, so best actress. So this is another one I had like eight or nine. Uh I'm gonna give two honorable mentions super fast. First is Cher from Moonstra, uh, and Joan Allen for the Ice Storm. Uh, this is, this is where, okay, this is a very me list. I'm excited. All right. Julie Delpy before midnight. Uh, Agatha Roussel, uh, for Titan, Garros Marillier for Raw, Nev Campbell for Scream, and Holly Hunter for Raising Arizona. Excellent. Excellent. Ah, that's a good, uh, Nev, Nev is good. Nev is good to be in there. God love her. I love Nev. God, God bless Nev Campbell. 
God bless I just watched Scream 5 the other day. She's so good in that. Uh, and it makes me so mad that she is probably not in Scream 6. Yes. Also, Corey, I, I texted you this and I don't think I saw your response. In your top five on Letterboxd is Scream 5. Yeah. Is that correct. on purpose? Okay, uh, excellent. Because they're both so, called uh, so Scream. I, so. I, respond, I responded and said, I don't, this is really subjective. Like I probably need to go back and re- reorder it. And then I rewatched Scream 5 and I was like, I'm going to fucking stick with that. Hell yeah. Good for the, you. The Lega sequel stuff in that, I think just hits. Like, to me, if, if I were like 20 years older, I think Scream would probably sit a little bit closer. But uh, in the way sure. that like that is dealing with meta commentary on, you know, slasher horror, what that does, what and what that means to people in society. Uh, I think the stuff that is happening with legacy and legacy sequels in Scream 5 sits like really close to it just draws me in a little bit more personally. No, totally. It's like a little bit about The Last Jedi in a way that I think is really fun. Yes. No, absolutely. So Uh, so to award. um, So I'm just going to come out and say I the last two seasons I have nominated julie delpy and not given it to her because there's been one performance that like versus this movie like i i I have to give it to this person like uh, holly beat her out last season and then two seasons ago i forget but it was oh it was nicole kidman for the others um because she's incredible and i love her so much and it's just like my faves just like sneak in and just edge out Julie Delpy. And I originally had Cher. However, my document, my Google Doc for the scenes has everyone we've ever done, which is how I'm able to just like pull my ones from last season. And I was like, I am not edging Delpy out a third time. Mm. I am giving Julie Delpy the legacy. Like, this is for all of them. This is for this one. It's before, it's for before midnight, but it's Julie Delpy and before midnight. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it to her a third time. And yeah. while I wish I could give Anna word to share this season uh unfortunately uh i am doing the the three-time nominee and first win for julie delby wow wow i i almost went that route i got this close i had exactly the same thing happen where i went into it going it's going to be delby's year she's got to get it and then fucking agatha russell shaved her goddamn head and <laughs> danced on a car busted up nose put on a weird busted oh. up nose and bound her boobs and i was just i was so that performance is so electric that i could not deny it and so agatha russell absolutely similarly to linden i forced myself to not give her the award but uh, Mm -hmm. i think that's a great take oh oh my god i I changed it while Caroline was talking, but I think I'm, I'm going to go with my original answer. I changed it to Delphi while Caroline was talking because I, it's my last chance to give an award to Julie Delphi, to give an imaginary award to Julie Delphi. It's my last Not chance. Not an imaginary to ta- award. It's a very real award that we give Very out. real twice every year. <laughs> for, we pick 15 movies completely arbitrarily and then we give them 30 awards. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm going to change. I'm going to go with my, I'm going to go with my gut. I'm going to go with my first answer. And that is, uh, Garance Marillier in raw. Excellent. An excellent Great performance. Choice. You cannot go wrong. Yeah, no. Wow. All right. Well, All right. here so we are. The two big boys, the, um, That's two big boys picture. And then followed by our favorite first watch of the year. Corey, do you want to say the best picture? Yeah. I was, I was going to ask, let me go. Cause I, I want to give you two time to time and space. Um, all right. So I, I'm okay. I did not nominate the entire month of October. I took one off. All right. So before midnight, I'm not going to say anymore. Uh, 
to talk raw scream sorry texas chainsaw massacre i love you i love you so much oh. but i did i did take you off that is that is the october i i, I was trying remission. to force myself to pick between one of the duke Nows to take off and i was like i just don't know that i can um and the ice storm all right all right um i can go next um yeah you go carolyn mine my my five nominees for best picture are before midnight titan scream the last of the mohicans Nice. And the ice storm. Okay. And the ice storm. Wow. I think the last of the Mohicans deserves some fucking accolades. It is a uh, really, 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 really amazing production, and uh, it is excellent, and it is poetic, and it is huge, and it is vast, and it is deep and emotional, and I really enjoyed that movie. Um. So yeah. So I'm giving it a nomination for best picture. Obsessed. Uh, I did not have for uh, us having four out of the five same movies on my bingo card, but I'm here for it. <laughs> I have a very different list. Well, not a very different list, but a pretty different list. Raising Arizona, RoboCop, Titan, The Ice Storm, and Heat. It caused me physical pain to leave before midnight out, but it was the choice I had. I had to make. Yeah. I had to make that choice. I did. I think that's very fair. Um, Yeah. Corey, what's your best picture? My best picture. I'm, I'm predicting a trifecta here. Uh, my best picture is the ice storm. All right. Okay. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same. (laughs) Same. Same. Ditto. Um, both of you had very visceral reactions, so I couldn't. I really couldn't tell what was well about to happen. First time. I want to talk about some of the other films on my list, but is this the first time this has ever happened where we all did best picture, the same best picture? Um, hell yeah, I think so. Yeah, because last time I my last two were broke back. And before sunrise, I my the other two were also before sunrise and broke back. I think I I had two different. I don't even remember. I did two different ones. I don't even remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I, I and it's wild because wasn't even supposed to be a part of the season, but I, I'm so glad that y'all reacted to the ice storm the way you did. It's a monumental film. It's on my top twenty five in Letterbox now. Fucking Fuck crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would like to briefly just say, Raising Arizona, one of the most visually inventive and like clever bits of filmmaking, held up by incredible performances and whip smart dialogue from the Coen Brothers. Um, yeah, it's I love that film. A uh, fucking Robocop, hilarious. Pitch Perfect Satire, uh, great production, just some wild-ass late 80s sci-fi views. Uh, Titan, we, I have nothing more to say about that movie. We talked about it for two hours. Uh, Heat, fucking uh, uh, a perfectly expansive, violent bit of poetry that I'm so excited to watch again. But yeah, The Ice Storm has to take it. Obsessed. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and throw my favorite. Caroline, do you have anything else you want to say about best? All, all of my best pictures we have talked about either multiple seasons I mean, or the before series scream is yeah, perfect no, i love I it just um yeah no same thing like we talked about scream ad nauseum on the scream episode we've talked the before trilogy for three fucking years uh mm-hmm. and uh to, and like Titan, we talked about a lot and it was like my fucking it was my howies yeah. uh it was my howies like just absolute bear last year for 2021 um which if you are listening to this uh the series comes out on our main feed and is our uh it is our retrospective of the season but the howies is something we do over on patreon which is our retrospective of the calendar year of cinematic releases much like the oscars so uh go check us out there at hh minus uh patreon.com slash hh minus pod anyway um yeah it's the fucking ice storm Corey, what's your favorite first watch oh. Uh, favorite new watch. I just want to say, Carson, I, I have given you 
all three of my worst takes all season, but you have also given me all three of my favorite new watches every season. Yes. So my love favorite lovely taste is just mediocre enough to escape scrutiny. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I know my... both wins, baby, the best and the worst. My favorite new watch is Marriage Story. Oh, interesting. Okay. I've said it multiple times on Twitter and on Letterboxd. I am officially a bomb bitch. And uh, I love that. I, yeah. Carson, thank you for introducing me to Bomba. You're very welcome. I'm a bomb bitch and a girl whore. I, I go both ways in that respect. Um, yes. Uh, my favorite new watch was Titan. Fuck yeah. Um, fucking crazy both in terms of just it being a movie that i loved and also the experience of watching it was so damaging and also uplifting um you never forget your first time you never forget your first time i i will addend to that that if we had done a best director category i would have had to give it to julia ducanel oh fuck yeah it's just two incredible titanic films on the season so yeah yeah and i thank you caroline for making me watch it i'm glad that we talked about it for like four hours i'm obsessed with the fact that this season was the season carson was finally like guys i just don't think i like horror movies and your favorite Mm -hmm. new watch was titan which as we talked about is not a horror movie horror movie but yeah. but sure I, I see what you are saying the dichotomy of those two things i find at the very least to be interesting um i mean like the ice storm's gonna be fine yeah. because it's the ice storm yeah like it is a film that i genuinely have thought about like almost daily since i watched it like mm-hmm. seven weeks ago yeah i yeah. don't know it's what it's the first week of January, end of the first week of January, and we watched that the week after Thanksgiving, so six, seven weeks ago. I think about that film like literally almost daily. I'm literally, I, I have it in my Amazon cart right now. I checked my local Barnes and Noble online to see if they had it in the Criterion Damn. section. At oh, Barnes do they not? Because I was not, no, not at the local one anyway. Yeah, um, I was going to go pick it up, but it's in my Amazon cart. Um, I got a little, I got one of those little uh, um, like prepaid Visa gift cards as a prize for a work thing a while ago and it's literally just been sitting on my desk and I'm going to like pull the trigger and I'm going to buy the Ice Storm on Blu-ray with it. The the, the, the Criterion. Money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the good one, yeah. It is, it is a film. <laughs> Look, I said this on the pod, but uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say it again. It is a film that even only slightly, only like one or two percent, but it fundamentally changed the way I thought about cinema Ooh. and it fundamentally changed the way I think about sex. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> take that how you Yes, will. it did. Uh-huh. There's no way to have that experience with that film and not just be like, okay, it's kind of like the best thing I've watched this year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Ooh, it is in stock at the one that's like four feet from my house. Mm, 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 Wait, mm. all right, we're going to have to talk off mic because I might just like jive out there today and pick it up. <laughs> the one by you. Yeah, will you bleep out the name of the street? Yeah. <laughs> but cool, but leave it in. I was just going to cut right. around this. Yeah. No, no, no. Leave that in. Leave that in. Uh, just bleep out the name of the street. Such an Funny. appropriate way to end this episode, just talking about the logistics of bl- buying a Blu ray. <laughs> I mean, it's so true. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the end. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Corey, uh, internet, where people find podcasts. Uh, let's see if I can do this without looking at it. If you like what you hear, please Ooh. be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. Leaving a review would also really help out the visibility of the show. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, and TikTok, all at HHYNSPOT. Uh, if you want to hear even more of this bullshit, go to patreon.com slash HHYNSPOD, where you can find, we are currently in the middle of our Legacy Full series. We are about to pivot to doing uh, Star Wars episodes 7, 8, and 9. Because we hate ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to get canceled. Um, Do I? Is it that I hate myself or I love Ryan Johnson? I can't. I can't really distinguish. Oh my God. We talked about what we'd seen and didn't fucking talk about class. And we didn't talk about. Well, it's the. Look, it's the. I was thinking about this. It's Carol and I talk about it all the time. It's the end of the Spider-Verse problem. I was just like, yeah, it's good. It's fucking really good. I have nothing to say about it. Spider-Verse problem. I would say it's. I would say it's the. I'm like the McDonald's cheeseburger thing of like, like whenever you go to, to like get lunch at McDonald's and somebody's like, oh, what'd you have for lunch? You're like, oh, I just went to McDonald's. They're like, was it good? It's like, have you had a McDonald's hamburger? It's yeah. scientifically engineered to Well, it was kind of like that. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like, yeah. it's just that thing of just like, of just like, I thought Glass Onion was great. I thought it was really fun, but it's just like, it's just like, did you watch Knives Out? Yeah. Can you imagine what that would be like if it was produced by Netflix? Yeah. Kind of like that. Kind of exactly what you'd, what you'd expect. Yeah. You know, I will say the only difference is I don't think that I, if I ate a McDonald's hamburger in front of a hundred people, I would like it less. But I know that if I had watched Glass Onion in a fucking movie theater, (laughs) it would have been about 10% better. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to see it in a fucking theater, so I I tried. So badly. I cannot believe Netflix fucked it up that badly. It's so stupid. I can't. It's stupid. The 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 amount of money they did not make in theaters with that, yep. there is no way it was that amount of money was recouped by people buying zero percent chance Netflix. Absolutely not. No, no that way. is that is like that is an abomination. They really should do a fucking like like a summer run. Yes. Yeah, they should like, do both of them. They should do Knives Out and Glass Onion together in like you know whatever in like three hundred theaters. Yeah, in yeah. Why not, bummer? Why are people so dumb and why don't they pay us to make their decisions? I don't know. That's a really good point. Netflix. So anyway, All right, well, we're on our, th- I think we just broke into our three of this thing. So, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, nice. Corey, have fun editing this bad boy. And thank you all so much for listening. Um, our next episode on this feed, um, we haven't fully decided the order of our next season yet, but it will be the first episode of our next season. And it'll be, it'll be, first, I, I can tell you right now when it's going to come out. Uh, first it, episode it, of Love Month, yeah? Yeah, first episode of Love Month. It will oh, hell, hell yeah. yeah. Keep hell it on yeah. your feed. February 7th. Carson, what? what nice. You, Carson, have you decided? In one month, movie? exactly. What are the options? Can you show me the choices? Um, <laughs> what are my we can choices? do this. We can do this. It's not on thing. my. No. We we decided we, we right did, this is a good end of the episode thing. This is where we're parting the curtain because we went through our season planning post ice storm. <laughs> That's when Correct. we did it. So we were like, I kind of mostly remember, but I was very excited and I was like four beers in. So I was uh okay. So what are my options? Oh yeah. Okay, I've decided. I've decided. I've decided. I made my choice. We are starting next season out with Nancy Myers classic, Something's Gotta Give. A, a truly, a, a, I could not think of a better start myself. A, a great movie uh, with a shit terrible name. It's gotta be okay. great. Yeah. There you go. All right. So we'll see you on February 7th for Something's Gotta Give. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, baby.